Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I asked him, why were you crying? He said, man, for you, for you. He has the biggest heart. This is a good day. It's taken me nearly two hours to get from Douglas to Blackpool. If you walk Patrick Street, you have people in doorways and they're shouting at you, fighting with each other over their tree. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with P.J. Oh, that'll sell out, that'll sell out Springsteen back at the park next uh, next summer, next May We were only trying to figure it out this morning Was it 2013 or 2016 he last played here? I know he played here in 2013 But did he play Cork in 2016? We were trying to figure that one out But certainly I remember him playing in 2013 I remember being down there working for the newsroom at the time and those people started to queue like three days before queuing and camping down by the stadium there's nobody brings a crowd of dedicated followers quite like Springsteen they'll queue for days there were people I remember meeting people uh, down there at that time one guy was at his 82nd Springsteen concert and that's like 2013 the, the guy attracts super fans who travel the world to see him. There are people who've seen him 50, 60, 70 times. My, my good pal uh, Ralph Regal from The Independent, who's in America at the moment, uh, at that uh, Molly Martin's case. But he has seen Springsteen God knows how many times. God knows how many times. Um, here he is back in Cork and Kilkenny and Dublin and Belfast next May. Great to see that. Nice to see Aiken Promotions coming up with the first big name of, on their book anyway for 2024. There's a lot going on next summer. Actually, we've already got what, Taylor Swift booked in, Coldplay booked in. There's talk of another slaying gig. I don't know who they're talking about, but there is talk of another slaying gig because Harry Styles was enormous in Slane this year so who knows who knows let's hope the summer of 24 and some massive announcements from Musgrave Park Sting lads I mean come on Sting um, what a gig that's going to be and who else did we get oh take that are going to be announced that was before I before I uh, left you rather uh, unscheduledly a week and a bit ago I will tell you more about that I am fine and you're so kind and you're so lovely the messages I was getting on social media and the comments and people looking me up and hitting me up on Instagram and stuff like that just just checking was I alright I'm absolutely fine it was a little accident at home a very painful 
little accident at home. Uh, but I'm absolutely grand. I'll tell you more about it later on. It prompted a conversation which we will have. Small but significant accidents that happen in our homes when we least expect it. I was eating me dinner, for goodness sake. I'll tell you more afterwards. Small, silly little accidents. And then you go into hospital and you feel like a right idiot. You go, oh, would you never believe what happened to me? And you think you're the first? So there, that's all for, for later. But first of all, Jazz Weekend. I had a quiet Jazz Weekend. I was taking it nice and handy. Um, just, you know, recovering and getting ready and recuperating to get back here into work this morning and just... Saturday night I was sitting at home myself and, and, and Queen Bee were sitting of all things watching Benidorm we love it we love Benidorm and by the way there's a report in the Sunday papers I think that there's talk of another series which would be great but we were watching Benidorm on Saturday night and both of our phones started to ping with uh, social media stuff Coming out of the Grand or the Rochestown Park Hotel, where there had been, I know there was a number of events going on there over the weekend, but there was this massive Bingo Loco night. And we all know Bingo Loco, it's a huge success, fantastic entertainment phenomenon. But there was a big, big Bingo Loco night at Rochestown Park Hotel, and it had all gone just a little bit pear shaped to say the least. And the pitch, and every picture that came in, and every video that landed was kind of Ooh, even more than the one before. And it, it looked like something out of a movie. It looked like something out of a bad movie. People brawling all over this hotel. And I'm looking to myself, and look at that. What the hell is after happening there? Liam, you were there. You were at the Bingo Logo event. You saw, Loco event. You saw all this starting. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Fiji. Yeah, I was there as part of a group. Um, I was actually attending N Party, which, you know, I suppose in 2023, it's not too unsurprising that there might be one or two guys at N Party <laughs> these days. But um, so, yeah, uh, we arrived down there, I suppose, maybe a good half an hour or so before it was due to start. And we got in and we took our tables and got some drinks, as you do. And, um, we, I'd say the first two hours, to be fair, kind of went off without a hitch. Now, there did seem to be a kind of a contingent of people who weren't in any way involved in playing the bingo. They were just kind of a group of people who were up by the bar uh, and they were just drinking. They didn't, they weren't kind of seated at all or they, they weren't playing the game. Um, so, uh, I'd say probably the first two hours went off without a hitch. Um, we were kind of on the second panel page of bingo um, which again if I, I, I was only learning how to play it on the night um, but we I was just there and suddenly we kind of heard a bit of a commotion which was over by the bar which was kind of near to where the, the entrance into the events room was uh, so and it kind of went from now to 100 very quickly uh, I mean literally within seconds there there was chairs being as weapons there was glasses being thrown um, in fairness to the security that were there they were on top of it straight away like they reacted and they, they were in trying to split it up straight away but the brawl spread so quickly with so many people that there was just no way that they could contain it um, I remember seeing at one point one uh, security man you know trying to, to break <clears throat> some people apart and kind of the, a few of them turned on him and started attacking him Um yeah, so uh, my friend was kind of saying to me that they kept the 
the bingo local crowd kept the music going and the, the MC was kind of still talking. Uh, my friend was a bit perplexed as to why that was happening, but I guess they were just, you know, kind to trying to keep the tension off it, hoping that it would kind of diffuse. That's what it is, Liam, actually, because I remember working nightclubs for, for enough years. If a fight started, you keep the music playing because if you don't, there's an att- attention is drawn to, to why you're not playing the music. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it kind of kept going and it kept growing and um, eventually they did stop the music and the MC did say, look, we're going to have to take a break here. So at that point, I had kind of, you know, I decided, I said to my friend, look, I'm leaving, I'm not staying here. I said, uh, I, I kind of suspected they were going to end the night due to kind of how serious it was and how big it was growing. From the videos, it seemed to have spread right through the room. I, I, I will say I kind of left as the fighting was still happening. I managed to slip out the side. So it, it did kind of, it, it was more contained towards the front of the room when I left. So I'm not sure exactly what happened after that. But like there was fighting, there was kind of groups of fighting as I was going down the stairs and even when I got outside. So I just had said to my friend, look, I said, I'm leaving. I said, There's, they're going to cancel the night. I said, but also I don't want to be in a situation where we get outside the door and there's hundreds of people trying to get taxis and there's fighting happening around the place because... A, you wouldn't get a taxi and B, you know, probably the word would spread through taxi drivers and they probably wouldn't come there anyway. So they were brawling on the stairs as you were coming down? On the stairs. Um, and like, to be fair, at this point, there, there really was nothing that the security do. There was It was too widespread. Um, and even when I got outside again, um, there's one of the videos that I saw where there was kind of a brawl outside the door. I'm not sure if that's what I walked out on top of, but it, it was sort of something very similar when I walked, when I came out, you know, there, there was brawling outside the front door as well. I got sent one clip of a fella swinging a, a wet floor sign. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the one I saw. Um, and, and I have to say that the girls were as equally involved as the fellas, I have to say they were, you know, I did see girls using weapons as well, you know. Um, so I, so I kind of had a plan with my friend that I was going to that I was going to leave and head down um, and walk in the, the rush towards toward Douglas to try and get a cab. Um, so I got one fairly quickly on the Rochestown Road, and in fairness to the taxi driver, I gave him a full disclosure when I sat him. I told him where I was coming from and that there had been trouble and that the guards were there, and. Um, he, you know, he he agreed to go back in to to collect my friend and his mother. Um, so we came back in, and there was still like the guards were arriving at that stage, but there was still little pockets of fighting happening. And um, yeah, my friend came down, and we left. Then, but uh, us subsequently, they did end up cancelling the night. I think there was two. There was two arrested, like, and there was two taken to hospital. Yeah, I, look, again, I, do, I don't know if this is verified, but, you know, somebody did say into the group the following day that there was stabbings and a part of an ear bitten off. Now, again, I don't know if that, if that has been verified, but um, I did I did get more pictures in of blood kind of all outside the door of the Rochester Park Hotel. Where there was lots of kind of blood on the floor. Um I have to. I have to say, you know, I, I I do just want to throw it out there. I did. I actually didn't know the girl whose hen it was. It was my first night meeting her. As I say, I was just there with a friend, but um, I did feel really sorry for her because they're getting married in a few weeks, and they're you know it's a very small wedding. They don't have a lot of money, and it was just you know they have kids, so she doesn't often get a night out, and it was her her one night out, and it was just totally ruined. And I think it was very unfair as well to everybody else who was there in that, you know, there was supposed to be a grand prize at the end of the night, which was going to be, you know, a trip to Copenhagen. And, you know, again, I suppose just everybody who bought a ticket didn't get a chance to play the game and, and have a chance of winning that, you know. So it's just a shame of a night all around. 
You're very anxious, though, I think, to stress that the hotel did everything it could. The security were just overwhelmed. Absolutely, uh, totally overwhelmed, and I couldn't fault their response. I couldn't fault the hotel, anything like that. I genuinely couldn't. It just, with the with the speed and with the severity, it kind of spreads. You know, there's no way that they could have have contained it. And and fair play to them for trying. Actually, you know, I don't think you'll be going back for seconds, Liam. Will you somehow? No, 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 definitely not. I think that'll be my, my first and last. Uh, well, look, to be fair, I know of people who've been to, to Bingo Loco before and I've never heard of anything like this happening. So maybe it was just, you know, a bad crowd of people on the night or, or a small contingent of bad people on the night. But um, but definitely they, they did spoil the, the night for everybody. It was kind of amazing to see how, how vicious it was and how many people were involved. And as I say, there was just every, anything and everything was being used as a weapon. You know, I'm, I'm surprised somebody wasn't significantly injured. Liam, good talking to you. Thanks very much. No problem. Thanks, PJ. Cheers, Liam. Yeah, that, that is a thing, as he says there. Like, it's a miracle there was nobody very seriously hurt. The guys issued a statement to the newsroom on uh, yesterday where they confirmed reports of a public order disturbance at a licensed premises in Douglas on Saturday night, 28th October. Didn't name it. Uh, two males conveyed by ambulance. I love the language that the guards use in their press releases. It's so outdated. Two males were conveyed by ambulance to Cork University Hospital for treatment of minor injuries. A male in his 50s and a female in her 20s were arrested for public order offences and conveyed, I love that word, conveyed, to uh, guard the station in Cork City. They've both been released without charge, files been prepared, etc., etc. There was, as we say, Pillimaloo. <laughs> Pillimaloo at the the, uh, the Bingo Loco on Saturday. And there's no fault of Bingo Loco. This is an event that has grown into an entertainment phenomenon. Didn't it pack out the marquee uh, last summer? Um, but, but something went wrong. There was somebody in there Saturday night who probably shouldn't have been. And there was trouble. Trouble ensued. A lot of trouble. A lot of very graphic trouble. Thank you, Liam, for describing it to us. 0818969696. It wasn't a jazz event by any manner of means, but it happened over the jazz weekend. Another thing that happened over the jazz weekend, and I kept getting loads of pictures, and a, a buddy of mine brought his son in for a wander around the jazz on Saturday afternoon, and he sent me videos as they were getting on the bus home. They live in Douglas. As they were getting on the bus home, the floods were starting to come up yet again. And you, did, you don't need me to tell you. Social media was full of videos and pictures of, of flooding in the, in the city centre. Um, some fairly nasty flooding in the city centre. And it was up again last evening. And with Storm Kieran due upon us in the next 24 to 36 hours, it looks like we could be facing more of it. That and more next. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Listen to Cork's 96 FM on your smart speaker. Say. Simply say, play Cork's 96 FM. Quirks 96 FM. Storm Kieran is due upon us in the next 24 to 36 hours with more rain and a worry about more floods. Not so much tidal floods in the city, but a worry about floods affecting Middleton and, and Glenmire. And as I was off, I was listening to Joe and to Gareth 
And thanks to both lads for falling in, by the way, to cover me for a few days. Particularly to Joe, who got about, I'd say he got about an hour's notice on, on the morning of the Thursday. And, and thank you to Joe in particular, who did, uh, did fine, fine work and Gareth uh, with, with the, the coverage of the floods. But Middleton and Glanmire were just completely mangled. Middleton in, in particular. But the city centre had a rough old weekend of it. And uh, Kevin Hurley of Corp Business Association and, of course, Hurley Centre. Kevin, you were saying, look, it's about time to get something done here. Delays due to objections need to stop. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. How are you? Apologies. I'm well, First thanks. of all, I'm a little bit hoarse from um, singing and jazzing. That's allowed after a jazz weekend. That's allowed, in fairness. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, look, yeah, um, the, the traders in the city centre um, did exceptionally well over the weekend. Um, there's talks of up to 100,000 people that came for the jazz festival. It was a phenomenal weekend. And look, every year the weather is, isn't great for the jazz festival. It's called a spade a spade there. But um, on Saturday evening, my heart just went out to the likes of the Old Oak, the Oliver Plunkett, um, and some other businesses around um, when the, you had all these fantastic people out celebrating the jazz, having the crack, and the next thing was the water just comes up from the drains and there you fellas and girls jumping through puddles. And I was walking home myself at that time um, and I just I just said, I, I really think that it's t- we've got to get this going, the, the Morrison's Island Flood Relief Scheme. Mm. Now, I've been speaking to people in the meantime, and it is going to go ahead in 2024. So thank God it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a fabulous, it's going to be a game changer for the city. You know? It doesn't get as bad, Kevin, as it used to get. I can remember Oliver Plunker Street being under a foot and a half water quite frequently. It doesn't get that bad, but it got bad enough Saturday night. It did. It got bad on Saturday night. And I suppose, you know, there's different, um, I'm no meteorologist or, or anything like that, but there are different circumstances that it can get very bad. Like I remember in 2000, I think it was 14, um, you know, the water came, it, it, the, the whole street was absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, my own store has steps and we were just saved by that. Uh uh, so we're like we're kind of we're kind of raised the, the shop is like raised um, which is great for us but the other poor traders on the street that time were just ruined and nobody has flown insurance on the street um, but on Saturday it well, it got pretty bad and thankfully it abated after an hour and a half or two hours which was great you know mm-hmm. This Morrison's Island scheme is key isn't it and the objections that come into it are look it'll destroy the streetscape, we won't be able to see our beautiful river. People who genuinely love their the river and their the riverside streetscape, they're worried about what will happen if you put a big flood scheme in the middle of it. Their concerns, well, they're entitled to be taken on board, aren't they, Kev? Absolutely. They were entitled to be taken on board. And I mean, I board, born and reared in Cork. I lived away for a few years and I came back to the city. So nobody loves Cork more than I do. Mm. Um and I agree with, uh, you know, their concerns. I agree with them, absolutely. But if you're going to take the lesser of two evils, then this is certainly the lesser of two evils, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go on to the Cork City Council website and have a look, you can actually view um, 3D images of what it will look like. It's actually going to look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, right from um, where the new hotel is going to open, the Premier Inn, yeah. right down as far as um, uh, George's Key and beyond, you know. Well, to put an investment like that Premier Inn hotel in the middle of it, you want to be very confident 
that it'll all work out, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely, uh, PJ. And I actually took a stroll down there yesterday. Um, uh, I was off yesterday. I was working all weekend, but I took a stroll down there yesterday and I just had a look in and it's going to be a fantastic hotel. And mm. from talking to anybody who uh, goes to the UK or anywhere like that. Oh, they're that, a marvellous chain. They're they're mar- I've, stay- I've stayed in them. They're a marvellous chain of hotels. Yeah. They really are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's fantastic. So they, they've, they've put their... You know, they put their books into here. They've raised, you can see that it's actually raised, which which is great for them in case it, there is flooding mm. um, in the future. But look, all, all I'm saying is that, um, you know, in 2024, hopefully, I think it's gone, out, it's gone to tender. It's been approved. Okay. It's going to be built. We've got to get on with it. Um, Cork is the best city in the world, if not in Ireland. And uh, we just had a phenomenal weekend and they have to commend all the pubs and restaurants mm-hmm. and uh, clubs and everything over the weekend. Yeah. They did a super and job. As I said, um, I, had a, I had a quiet weekend, Kevin. My, at a quiet weekend, Kevin, my, my, my daughter and her friends were out, out and about enjoying the jazz and she was texting me from the various venues they visited. But in terms of trade, in terms of business, in terms of the economy, was it a successful jazz? Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that I haven't got uh, actual facts and figures, but I think we were like two or three percent up on last year. That's great. So um, yeah, it was great. It really was super. And and the big thing for me as well that there, there was no there was no trouble. You know, there was no bad vibes. It was uh, a super atmosphere right across the mm-hmm. city. Everybody was just uh, was just rocking around, uh, rocking around and jazzing it up and, and losing their voice like I am today. Yeah, I know. Well, go and go and go and rest it because I know I know what it's like to lose your voice. I did myself a week and a bit ago. So so thanks, Kevin. Uh, look after yourself, Kevin Hurley of the Cork Business Association and Hurley's Centra, and that flood relief scheme is so essential. I understand why people are concerned about changes to the river. We understand all that, but put yourself in the position of a business owner on Altplunka Street or all those, any of those places and say, right, well, you can have all your objections that you want, but look at my shop flooded again. Look at my pub inaccessible again. What do you expect me to do? Kate, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good, you're um, all for I am. I'll tell you why. Not because I remember paddling and taking off my shoes and socks in South Terrace when I was a small child. And it's never, it's never changed. It's still flooding. I just think it would improve the whole place, but also they'd want to clean. The walls of the, the River Lee all along are just pure green. I'd say, I don't know when they were last cleaned, you know, and they could, they can have boardwalks and they can make a beautiful job of yeah. the river. Yeah. And also, if they're worried about this wall, you know, of these uh, retaining wall thing, they can just build these seats higher up where they can still look into the river. There's ways around everything. It's true. It's true. You and know, there, is, there, just, there are cities over, all over the world that have tackled flooding issues yeah. and they've tackled them in very beautiful ways. And they make a lot more use of the river than we do. Yeah. You know, you'd see things going up and down them every day. We've none of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd love to see that. It just it's it, it's time for change, really, for make use of our beautiful river. There are, lo- there are lovely plans for down on there on Morrison's Island, down near the yeah, School oh, of Com, yeah. down near. There are lovely plans for that, and it'll look fabulous. Great to see that hotel. That yeah, hotel is great, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. Take care, and it's great to see you back. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I remember, and it is. It's less serious than it used to be but it still happens I can remember 2009 I can remember 2012 I can remember so many more occasions in which the city was flooded actually I was sitting in my hospital room on was it Friday morning Friday morning of uh, after 
um, Babette had hit, and I was listening to Joe, uh, and then listening to Gareth, <laughs> and, and I was a little bit cross with myself. I was saying, "Hang on a second, now here we are." In in I don't know how many years, this is the first flood storm uh, incident that I haven't been covering in too many years. How dare they have one of those before me, or without me, rather? How dare they do such a thing as to have such a big storm without me? But I was thinking so much of the people in Middleton and in in Glanmire, places that I know very well. Like, what wonderful heroism it was. So self-sacrificing, what they did down at SARS. I, I don't think anybody grasps just the massive sacrifice that that club made sacrificing their pitch. It'll take them a year, it'll take them probably longer to get that pitch playable again. But they sacrificed it for their community and and you would hope I was thinking this myself, I don't know if anybody actually said it here last week, you would hope that the GA, which is not a poverty stricken organisation, we all know that you would hope that the GA would very generously fund or help to fund SARS with the the resetting of their pitch. We speak of Storm Kieran coming hot on the heels of Storm Babette. Uh, he's due to arrive in these parts over the next 24, 36 hours. Uh, Pre-Babette, we spoke with Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. And Alan, as I said before, and I'll say again, of all the predictions, yours were the most accurate as to what Storm Babette would do to us. Will Kieran be as nasty in these parts? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, well, Kieran is a bit of a, a different beast in terms of he's a very kind of serious storm, but thankfully the centre of it is going to track to the south of us, which means that the strong winds for us is going to stay away, but they're going to hit France and parts of southern England. But there is a risk of more rain again. So again, not really a windstorm for us. There will be some, some strong winds, but nothing too serious. But the big risk of Kieran is more rain. Um, now, I should I should start, by the way, PJ, by clarifying, there's going to be a lot of rain again today. So before we even get to Kieran, oh um, rain's going to arrive in Cork around probably 2pm. Because it's a gorgeous morning here now. Beautiful morning. Yeah, no, that... It, it unfortunately the fog is going to give way and 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 I know it's been nice down down in some parts already but it's going to get very wet again for this afternoon this evening so the trick or treating is going to be a, a brawly trick or treating uh, event so you're looking at you know maybe twenty millimeters in parts um, by morning so that's that's something just to be aware of on its own right because obviously every bit of rain that falls is, is causing problems now with with ground level so wet um, Kieran then is tomorrow night really. Um, so tomorrow there'll be a bit of a respite between between the rain tonight and, and tomorrow night. The problem with Kieran is he, he's only still developing. He's only a baby, but he's going to develop very, very rapidly um, over the next 24 hours. And the track north or south, like I shared some charts this morning, and mm-hmm. you can see an absolute intense rainfall, but it's just on the south coast, just barely catching Cork, Waterford, Wexford. But other models have that further north and dumping, you know, maybe another 60 millimetres of rain, worst case scenario. Whoa. So that's that's obviously what we, that's a scenario we hope won't happen. But mm. I think I mentioned to you before, Babette, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And unfortunately for Babette, we got the worst. Mm. Um, I, I'm hoping with Kieran we won't get the worst case scenario, but there is a risk that we will see more rain again uh, mm. tomorrow night. Now, if he tracks a little bit, Further south, even we could see very little rain, 
Um, there you go. But it, it's, a, it's a tricky situation. It okay. is a really tricky situation. What we have, though, Alan, as you well know this, is after what Babette dumped on top of us, we have fields and hillsides and valleys that are just, they're drenched, they're saturated, they can't hold another sup of water. That's it, exactly. It's like if you think of the ground as a bucket, the bucket is full. So anything you pour on top of that, it's just going to overflow. And that's exactly what has been happening. I mean, there's, I've shared images. There's awful flooding in Newry in County Loud um, this morning, last night. There's flooding in Ross Lair over the weekend because anywhere that rainfall does hit, it, it just there's no soakage left. Yeah. We have had our year's rainfall. We have had our total year's rainfall average now. So we've two more months to come um, of rain, and we've had already our full amount of rain for the year. So that puts it in right, perspective, Alan. That, put, that puts it in perspective because this is only the 31st of October and traditionally November and December can be very wet. Yeah, October and November are often our wettest months. So November is, is often one of our wettest months, if not wettest month. Um, so I think the real thing here is 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 to make sure that people are aware and, and, and it's a balanced snack, PJ, because I don't want to be scaring people. I don't want to be, you know... Like, there's people using the word bomb cyclone. I saw on, that. It's just a load of nonsense. You know, it's just a load of nonsense, really, that kind of phraseology. But there is a risk of more rainfall and there is a risk of more flooding. So, like I said to you before, Babette, if you're in an area that's prone to flooding, be prepared, have a plan. Know what's going to happen if the flood starts coming towards you. Do you know where sandbags are? Do you have sandbags? Do you know where to put the sandbags? Um, do you have, you know, valuables that are, you know, low down that could be moved higher up, etc.? Um, because, you know, we're, we're not talking about Babette in terms of that was an 80, 90 millimetre. That came so fast. Mm. That was, you know, that was that was really a, an unusual situation. She arrived well, with fury. Was, she arrived with a fury I don't think people anticipated. No, no. And I, I was trying to warn people, but it's very hard to kind of, you know, express that type of event when when in advance, because until it really hits your door, it's very hard to understand it. But but we are looking at the possibility of, you know, maybe 30 to 50 millimetres of rain over the next 48 hours, um, which again is going to rise rivers, you know, going to cause problems. And, and people, like, people keep saying to me, what's prone to flood? It means has it ever flooded? And I don't mean you're living there 10 years and it hasn't flooded. I mean, somebody has lived down the road 40, 50 years and it has flooded back in 2014 or, you know, mm. back in whatever. If you're in an area that has flooded before, then you really need to be alert. Well, I was talking to a, or in, in contact with a pal of mine over the few days, Alan, a man called John Coleman. He's a concierge at the Five Star Photo Resort. Old pal of mine go back years. And John is a killer man. And where he lives in Killa, they hadn't floods in 200 years. And the water came in his yeah. front door. I actually, I actually was down in Killa on the Friday. I have a friend living near between Killa and Inch. And he brought me around to show me some of the devastation. Um, and I mean, that was, I mean, the, to see the roads washed away there at Inch and, to, you know, to see the damage in, in Middleton. I walked the street in Middleton and, and it was, it, it really brought home what type of destruction this type of flooding can do and why we need flood defences and why we yeah. need flood warning systems. Um, but we have, a, we have a tricky couple of weeks ahead, months ahead, unfortunately. Yeah. You have been talking about flood warning systems for quite some time, Alan, and just... Outline the difference for me. We have the, the red, yellow and orange weather warnings that we see from time to time. But you, you talk about flood advance warning. What would that be if it was there in reality? So the, the UK have a, a flood warning system, which basically will show you a map 
and it'll show you an area around a river and say this area here is at risk of flooding. So it's not kind of like a, a yellow warning or an orange warning for cork. It'll actually be like along, for example, let's say the system was working really well. In advance of Middleton, it would have highlighted Middleton and would have said risk of flood warning here. Now, they're never 100%, mm-hmm. but what they do is, and it's not rocket science when you think about it, PJ. How much water is in the river? How much water is going to fall in terms of rainfall into the catchment area? And what's the rise level going to be? And if it rises by X, what area of the ground is going to be covered? Yeah. Like that's that's kind of what the system does. So it's not it's much more localized. And and now the weather warnings themselves could be localized, but the flood warning systems are localized. Now you have different types. You have the coastal, you have your river flooding, and you have your fluvial flooding. And that's that's runoff, and that's much harder to forecast because yeah. it's very hard to forecast. But like you know, a low lying area that has you know a lot of land running down into it, like which is what happened inch. Like you know, inches is a low lying valley there beside the river but the water just ran from every direction into it so you know the model the weather the forecast models for the flooding can learn from that and can say right this area here this catchment area is going to see 60 millimeters of rain that's going to rise this river by 1.2 meters that means this area is going to flood Mm -hmm. now it's going to take us a while to get there but there is a flood forecasting team in metairn but but the problem i have now pj is is that I, I've been told, that's been publicly said by Met Aaron, and I've been told they're sharing the information with the county council, they say. Now, the council tell me that they don't get a lot of information, but why isn't it public? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, why, why, why can't they just share it all publicly and say, here's the stats that we gave the council, here's what we're worried about in terms of rainfall for this part of Cork, instead of saying it's a yellow warning or it's an orange warning for the whole of Cork, mm. when it could be, you know, East Cork is going to get 60 millimetres, West Cork is going to get 10. Why not share that information? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Come back lastly to, to where you're saying with regard to Kieran. you're still trying to predict what shape he will take. Worst case scenario, he could be very bad. But if you're living in an area prone to flooding, take precautions today. Yeah, it take precautions because you're going to have heavy rain today and then you have a risk of further rainfall from Kieran tomorrow night and Thursday. And and there is a risk of some very heavy rainfall and it would be overnight Wednesday. So fall at night time, you might wake up Thursday morning to, to, to see the impacts of Psalm Kieran. So just be aware, keep an eye on the forecast, keep an eye on the warnings. All right, Alan, thank you. Uh, Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. Follow that man on X, Twix, Twitter, whatever you call it these days. He is without question or doubt. And I've said it so many times, he is the best out there. By 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 some distance, he is the best, and it's just his hobby, for goodness sake. Uh, Alan O'Reilly of Carlow Weather, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Eilish says we were really upset about parking on Patrick's Hill. Every second car had a ticket. It really troubled me that enforcement was so severe during the jazz. Enforcement has gotten quite severe of late, Eilish, in this part of town since they brought in the new arrangements, particularly on on Patrick's Hill. Um, I park there when I can in the mornings and it's only about 10 spaces now and they're all on the other side of the street and they're awkward to get into I think that's deliberate um, but they are enforcing the traffic rules very much in this neck of the woods since they brought all that in is it true enough and the flood warnings or the flood barriers or the flood scheme is it true an awful lot the objectors are not from Cork nationwide members of environmental organisations. I don't think that should be allowed. I don't have home addresses for a lot of them, but you could be right. You could be right. 
Uh, would any flood scheme, flood relief scheme, sort out rising sea levels? If that's a thing. I suppose I'm saying this is the flood relief scheme already outdated. Yeah, there's a point. There's a point. Okay. 0818969696. I'll tell you what happened to me. I will tell you what happened to me, how it happened to me, and how it got us thinking. Next, 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. You want the biggest hits? Yeah, we are really hooked on this now. Oh, this song is class. Oh my God, when I just heard it down, I got into the car and just bought it right back. You got them right here. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hear that new tune. Fresh. Fresh new music. The Hit Mix with Brian McAvoy. The Hit Mix. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio. Weeknights from 8. On Cork's 96 FM. So it was a pretty ordinary Wednesday evening, the 18th of October. And doing what I typically doing about 8 o'clock in the evening. I was working on stuff for Thursday's show, reading and making a couple of notes. I was on the phone, I was chatting with the family about everybody's day, and we were having the dinner. The dinner was on the table. And herself had made, and as she often does, and they're lovely, she makes these big home-cut potato wedges that are the size of small doorstops. I love them. So, as you do, I just reached out and grabbed a big wedge, dipped it in mayo. I know, I know. And bit. And the minute I bit into it, I realised, oh my God, the damn thing is red hot. And instead of doing what I should have done and spit it straight out, I swallowed. And it got stuck. And I fired some water down to wash it down, and that cooled my throat down. But in the space of the couple of seconds, I'd done damage. And you know you've burnt yourself. It's sore and it's yuck, it just feels awful. So you try the ice cream and you try the cold water and try the bit of ice, see what it is. Going to bed, I was very sore. Very sore going to bed. So I took a bit of paracetamol and went off to sleep. Woke up in the early hours in quite a lot of pain. Um, couldn't swallow properly. Couldn't swallow my saliva properly. So back downstairs, more paracetamol into the fridge. A couple of scoops of ice cream. I said, maybe that'll sort it out. What did I do? Half an hour later, I was in trouble. Um, I was sitting on the end of the bed and I realised... My breathing is getting a little bit laboured. Now, I was okay, but my breathing was getting slightly laboured. So I thought, you're in trouble, lad. You've done harm here. Get yourself seen to us. So I drove into the hospital at God knows what time it was. The bones of quarter to three. The ED at the COH that night was mercifully quiet. There wasn't a sinner. Not a sinner on a Wednesday night. And I was seen very quickly by a triage nurse and she said look you're going to have to be seen by an ENT doctor and she put one of these little tubes in my arm the cannula and I knew it was I was in for the night at least a uh, fabulous doctor who was on duty that night guy called Adrian Sheehan from Mallow uh, came over to me and chatted with me and he said look you've, you've done a bit of harm we're going to have to get the doctor over from the South Infirmary to have a look at you but we'll get your pain under control we'll get you sorted don't worry we'll get you sorted so I then was transferred. Doctor called Veronica came over, scanned me there and then in the ED and said, Yeah, I had burned myself. I'd burned myself and it was kinda nasty. Uh, and I'd have to get a, a more detailed examination. 
So I spent from Thursday morning to Monday afternoon as a patient in the South Infirmary. Everybody was brilliant. Everybody was just brilliant. Um, they're all wonderful and they're all a credit to the health service. Every single one of them that works over there, um, they just couldn't do enough for you for the few days. They were fantastic. Um, but it got me thinking and, and more than one person who cared for me over the few days said, you know what, you'd be very surprised how often we see this. Uh, you're not even the first this week to burn yourself on food. Apparently those microwave baked potatoes are, are, are a serious offender for burning people. And I was then reminded of an old statistic about how many common accidents happen to us at home. And we were discussing this as a team while I was off just chatting back and forth. And there's a conversation in that for when I get back about accidents at home. And who better to uh, check in with than a man who's probably seen it all and, and then some in his years on the emergency ward. I speak of Dr. Chris Luke. Chris, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ, and I'm delighted to hear you're, you're well recovered from the sound of your voice. And I'm, I'm sorry for your troubles, but uh, thank you so much for the, uh, the, the accolades for the staff at CUH and the South Infirmary. That's, I mean, people need to remember that it's hugely welcome and hugely important to, 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 to express some encouragement for the staff, because that's really what keeps them going. So thank you for that. Now, Dr. Adrian came over to me. I was there about 20 minutes, and he introduced himself and he said, you're not the first I've seen with this. We'll get you sorted. We'll get you sorted. And they did. And I was delighted. But, but Chris, it got us thinking. These are very common accidents. Well, I think, uh, PJ, actually, I mean, uh, over my you know, 35, 40-odd years of working in, in emergency departments in four or five cities, um, uh, you know, the actual idea of, of hot liquid and hot food, it, you know, burning you is not that unusual. But I think you put your, your finger on the issue when you mentioned the microwave. I think that's actually the relatively new hazard. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we, we, I think almost everybody these days with a microwave uh, overheats things and underheats them, you know, and you have to kind of find the sweet spot. Uh, and very often you find that the soup or the, 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 the reheated uh, pasta or, or, or spuds is incredibly hot and you kind of leave it down to cool. But, you know, inevitably some people are going to pop the, the, the hot, very, very hot soup or the very, very hot pasta and, or potato into their mouth, uh, uh, just as you've done. And we've all done it. Mm. Um, now, these were out of the oven. They weren't a microwave job. Oh, but well, the, yeah, sorry, yeah. I thought you meant microwave. But, but yeah. microwave will definitely do that or, the, or just, just out of the oven, yeah. obviously. But it's, it's interesting because if you look at the literature, and yeah, thank you for the... Thank you for the fantastic case report. You, you should present that at, at a grand round in CUH. But, it, it, you know, if you look at the literature, you know, going back several years, uh, you'll see that the, the hot potato uh, burns of the back of the throat are actually not that unusual. But it's very unusual to be, to be now. I mean, I'll be very blunt about that. It's very unusual for it to be, to be lethal. But the key thing here is, that it, there's often a, a, a silent period, and it's a bit like the head injuries that you hear about the youngsters who fall and bang their head on a the pavement. There's a similar sort of treacherous period of relatively silent or asymptomatic. So when you know you get the initial shock of the burn, uh, you might you know say Panadol or fresh air or inhaling fresh air or you know the cold water, the the ice cubes or the, or the ice cream, and then it seems to settle. But about four or six hours later, then you start feeling exactly what you described, which is the I can't swallow. I'm drooling. It really hurts me to even to speak. Uh, and actually, I'm finding it quite difficult to, to breathe. Those are incredibly important red flags. 
So if any of your listeners uh, think that that's something that they're, they're, they're seeing or they're feeling, they're seeing in a, in a youngster or their, their loved one or them, in themselves, they need to get a medical, a medical attention immediately mm-hmm. or, or an ambulance. So, so a very, very interesting story and a very clear-cut example of how the, the, it's the inflammation that's causing the damage. So you, you have the burn, and then over several hours afterwards, the, the area that's been burned becomes increasingly swollen mm-hmm. uh, and red uh, and, 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 and sore, and that's what's causing the blockage. Yeah, that, 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 I think what scared me was when I sat on the edge of my bed and my breath was rasping slightly. Yeah, that's and exactly. I said, and, I either and, drive now or in an hour I mightn't be able to. Yeah, and that's, a, that's a, again, as I said, an enormously important point. Because if, you're, if you have an, a rapidly evolving situation, then you have to say, right, I mean, if I don't go now, I may not be able to. Because uh, the other thing uh, was probably to wake the wife, you know, or to wake the partner. Uh, because uh, one of the, here, there are other situations we can talk about um, where in which the, the person experiencing the crisis, and they don't quite know it's a crisis yet, they're so embarrassed. Now, that's, a, that's a really important. People often sustain really severe harm as a result of embarrassment, not wanting to tell anybody, for example, at the dinner table, or not wanting to wake up their, their, their loved ones because, oh, you know, I, I, they, they'll only think I'm, I'm a terrible... Oh, Chris, I was mortified when I went out yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. I burnt myself on my dinner. I was mortified. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, the thing is, I'd rather be mortified and recover uh, than, be, than, than suffer. And, and, and let's be blunt about it. People do die from this sort of thing. And uh, I, 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 they, they, they die from what's often called a cafe coroner. And it's a slightly different situation. But again, it involves food. Uh, and classically, uh, you know, a, 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 a potato or a piece of steak. And that's called a cafe coronary. And what happens is that people have a few drinks, they're in a night out, they're in a table with a lot of chatting and, and noise and merriment, uh, and what happens is this. They are talking excitedly or uh, at the same time exactly as they're eating. So uh, they're talking and they put the fork into the bit of meat and they put it into the mouth as they are talking. And as a result of that, the lid of the windpipe is still open. Because to, open, to speak, you need the windpipe to be open and, and the vocal cords, you know, wind going past the vocal cords. So if your windpipe lid is open at the same time as you put food into your mouth, there's a very real risk that the food will go straight into the windpipe and block it. Uh, and you end up with what's called a cafe coronary, uh, which is where people find that they can't, they can suddenly can't speak because there's no air going past the vocal cords. They clutch their neck, they embarrassedly slip away into the bathroom to see if they can cough it up. Uh, and unfortunately, they're found there t- five, ten, fifteen minutes later ex- expired. Well, uh, is, you know, isn't that the old the old thing our mothers always taught us, Chris? Don't talk with your mouthful. It wasn't just because it's rude; it's actually dangerous. Precisely, precisely. Wow. And domestic accidents, uh, things that just simple things, falls, slips, slides, burns, you'd see a lot of them in the AD, would you? Uh, all con- every conceivable uh, incident you can imagine. For example, you know, Halloween, you know, we'll see fireworks. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I call uh, fireworks little bombs. And, you know, every fireworks season, you know, going back a month or two before and a month or two after Halloween uh, or Guy Fawkes if you're in the north or, the, you know, or even the 12th of July, 
you know, or bonfire season, you'll see uh, people with terrible injuries, particularly to their eyes, sometimes deliberately. You know, sometimes fireworks are thrown at people uh, and they can end up with a horrible injury to their face or to their eyes. And they, you know, there was a woman there recently in the press in the last few days who'd lost an eye because yeah. a firework was thrown at her. So, yes, I mean, uh, it, you, basically it's all about the, the season that's in it. Uh, you know, you have Christmas-related uh, weird stuff. You have Halloween-related weird stuff. Uh, and uh, we've already heard there's eating-related weird stuff. And, and like, like it, with adults, it's very often food. One of the few fatal examples, fa- fatal case reports from your uh, from your type of, of category was a fatal fish cake, a hot fish cake, which again the person uh, omit, you know didn't come to the hospital uh, initially. And in fact, then when they did, did they, nothing to see, and they were sent home, and then they died uh, a few hours later at home. So, so food is the problem with adults, but of course it's not. It tends to be other things like button batteries or coins or pebbles or peas with with youngsters, because you know as we all know, toddlers explore the world through their mouth. Yeah. You know, they're a little bit like puppies. They put everything into their mouth to see what it tastes like and, you know, the texture. Uh, and if, if you're not careful, and if they're talking or if they're running around while they've got something like that in their mouth, uh, they can often get, get stuck in their, in, their, in, in their gullet or in their airway. And basically the story is a bit like your own story. Uh, there is a problem. They start drooling saliva coming out of their mouth. They may start make, making uh, we- weird, wheezy, sort of asthmatic noises. Or the worst thing of all, when they go silent and there's no air getting past their vocal cords. Uh, and that's really very ominous. You know, the, the accident we used to often see on a cartoon was the, the child with the saucepan and the head stuck inside in the saucepan. Has that ever happened? I, 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 I was stretching my, my mind to, to remember if I'd ever seen that. Now, obviously, you see that mostly on the pages of the Beano magazine or, uh, or, you know, or, or, or one of those sort of ones. But I, I think I've seen that once or twice, again, over 30, 30 years. But it, that's, not, that's not one of the comments. I mean, to, to, to be serious again for a moment, the one that I dread most is the one where the toddler or the 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 the, the child pulls um, the flex of a kettle, uh, a boiling kettle. Or now again, when I when you say, do you know of any incidents with saucepans? Here's the one that I that frightens me most: is it's not putting an empty saucepan on their head; it's pulling a full saucepan of boiling stew or boiling water by the handle down on top of them. Because in other words, if mum or dad are, are cooking something on the hob. Uh, and there's a little toddler or three-year-old, and they, they can reach up to that. They may want to know what's going up there, Mum. You know, and that, that's that's obviously the, the okay. And if that happens, obviously again, first aid. You know, rinse them for 15 minutes under cold uh, tap or you know, room temperature or cold water. Uh, that applies to most burns, obviously, and it, it applies to. Um, you know, things like acid and alkali. And that was one of the things I was going to mention as well. Another important thing, mm-hmm. talking about putting stuff into your mouth is dishwasher tablets. That's something we have to be very careful with kids. Yeah, and they're so colourful and attractive. I often wonder, is that wise? Chris, a pleasure as always. Lastly, yeah. one quick word on fireworks. You would be appealing to people in all your experience. For goodness sake, don't. Yes, and the other thing to not forget is, remember, dogs and cats can be absolutely terrified by, by, yeah. by, by fireworks. And it's very, very cruel to dogs and cats. So please try and keep dogs indoor or cats away. And people who are using fireworks need to remember, you know, that, that little people, that dogs and elderly people can be terrified and terrorised by, by, by fireworks. So, Chris, so bear that in mind. As always, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Chris Luke. 0818 96, 96 96. I am fine, but I am fine thanks to the great work 
of the doctors and nurses and everybody else in the COH and the South Infirmary. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696 you should always put cutlery facing down into the dishwasher, knives in particular. You know the cutlery basket in the dishwasher? Put the knife blade down because she can remember a story of a little boy who got a stab wound. He fell over the dishwasher when it was open down on top of a knife and ended up stabbing himself. Thanks, Fanula, for that. And, of course, the danger of fireworks. Bernie's thrilled to have me back. Thank you, Bernie. The wife is thrilled to be rid of me, rid of me for a few days and have me back inside here. I've been driving her mad for the last uh, week and a half. 0818 96, 96, 96 The number of the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. You don't need me to tell you that we are nearly into winter. Um, to me, winter starts in December, but we will not take any argument on that. Anyway, it is 55 days to Christmas is probably the best way to put it. Today's Halloween, of course. 55 days to Christmas. Eight weeks today is St. Stephen's Day. And there are only 39 opinion line programmes between now and Christmas. So figure that out. We're all, the year is pushing on. I have with me in studio Barry Holland from Cork Airport because winter is a busy time at the airport, Barry. And I'm looking at a list here and you have added routes to winter sun, to winter routes, to skiing. How many routes have you got out of Cork Airport for the for the winter season? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, in excess or across the whole year, we'll have in excess of fifty routes. But uh, this uh, this winter, we'll have uh, over the 30, 30 destinations uh, across uh, places like uh, winter sun destinations in the south of Spain, the Canary Islands, mm. uh, great city break destinations like Barcelona, like Rome, Paris, Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and some great ski destinations. Germany, Munich, Salzburg and uh, Leon. I see the sun destinations and it's become so popular now that if you can get out of here for the few weeks during the winter, you get out of here and the business is there for it. And there's going to be a great selection of routes to choose from this winter. A couple of new ones now that's worth mentioning. Seville now in the south of Spain. That was initially a summer route and Ryanair decided to extend it on to the winter. Mm-hmm. It's operating right through the winter which is great. Aer Lingus are back doing Tenerife. Yeah. Back to the Canary Islands again. They're doing Lanzarote and Tenerife this winter, which is fantastic. Ryanair have added on Fuerteventura, so you now have all the Canary Islands catered for over the course of the winter. And then, of course, you have a couple of nice nice sunny places like Barcelona, Valencia, mm. uh, even down as far as Faro. Uh, yeah. so lo- lo- loads of choices for winter sun. That, and that, 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 that region, and the Alicante region is all year round now as well. It you is indeed. All year round, yeah. Yeah. Valencia and Alicante, they're both year round. So 
it's the perfect opportunity for anyone to look out of the weather and particularly with the weather we got over the course of the weekend <gasps> and what's due to come over the coming days I think yeah. that if there's temptation there to go off on a sun holiday there's a great selection of destinations available from yeah. Cork Airport this winter City Breaks I'm looking at the list here Edinburgh, Paris, Rome, Barcelona Venice, Amsterdam all great places for Christmas markets they're fantastic and that's what I suppose the allure of winter winter is very different to summer when it comes to from a marketing point of view at the yeah. airport the summer is summer holidays, sun, sun, sea and send. Whereas in the wintertime, we kind of split it into three categories. We split into your winter sun, you want to get away from the bad weather. City break, maybe over the course of weekend, and then ski come post-Christmas. But for the winter city break destinations, the super destinations there, even in the UK, places like London, Edinburgh, mm. I understand that the largest German-style Christmas market, would you believe, outside of Germany, in Europe, is in Birmingham, Birmingham, yeah. UK. Edinburgh Christmas Market is brilliant. I was there years ago with the kids. It's I, fantastic. I've only seen photographs of it, but I, I have to say, when you look at it down underneath Princess Street and Princess Street Gardens there, and the scene and the vista it's behind you. It's wonderful, it is. And Amsterdam is famous for its for its markets as well. Um, pity we haven't got a link to Belfast, because Belfast is very famous for its ones too, its Christmas markets, but great to see those. Uh, the skiing, do people still go skiing? More than ever. Really? Absolutely, more than ever. It's extremely popular, and it all kicks off post-Christmas. The first of the ski routes will kick in actually on Christmas Eve and run right through then up to the end of March so Aer Lingus are operating three great ski destinations now this winter there's a new one to Lyon mm. uh, in France which gives great access to the Alps if you're coming from that direction places like Val Thorens Chamonix mm. um, and then places like Munich then and Salzburg which uh, are more established but still extremely popular uh, destinations. Um, it's worth noting that Salzburg is, is, is sold uh, through travel agencies, but the other two are bookable online. But it's like ski, ski, ski traffic is huge really? post Christmas, and it's. Uh, I've heard people say things to the effect that the ski holiday is so good that they they would happily substitute a ski holiday for a sun holiday Pretty. if they if they if they had the chance. I think I need, I think I need me beach. It's been a busy year. Barry, you're, you're on track for record numbers there. We are, PJ. We're on track for our busiest year ever for international traffic. That's in the region of probably 2.7 million, maybe higher, mm. uh, depending on how the winter goes. You gave me a stat earlier in the year that uh, there was one point where you went over the three, but Dublin was involved. That's right. Without was, Dublin, now this is the busiest year ever. There were three years of over 3 million passengers traffic. That was 2006, seven, and 8. Mm. Those, in those years, there was half a million passengers flying domestically. 500,000 from Cork to Dublin. If you strip out those mm. domestic passengers out of the calculation, you get what we have as the busiest year now this year for international traffic mm. in the outside of our shores, which is fantastic. It's superb growth. Uh, Cork Airport is back above pre-pandemic COVID levels now. That was 2.6 million great. in 2019. And the growth trajectory is only going up. That's great, that's great. I know there's a man, Tony Cullinan, I'm sure you're familiar with him, is doing his level best to get a, to get a Dublin flight up and running in the, new, in the new year. Maybe we'll talk more about that when it comes around. He's been trying it for years. Um, your busiest months, summer? Summer, but also as well you have December, January, which are quite busy as well. You mm. have a significant amount of people coming home for Christmas this year. Even October, they're just there now. It was actually quite busy because of the rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cork offered the best connectivity to, for, for, to France for the Rugby World Cup that's available outside of Dublin. Yeah. And we were they, they were going out in their thousands. 
every Friday and even in before it through all the hubs through the likes of Heathrow, yeah. Amsterdam, Frankfurt yeah. but also some people were flying to London taking the Eurostar whatever yeah. way possible they were yeah. getting out and the terminal was great there was fierce activity there yeah. and uh, it was it was really good so the jazz and the rugby have significantly bolstered October's numbers as well yeah yeah of course there is a big throughput for the jazz isn't there because all the artists come in through the airport and there is and we uh, we uh, over the course of the weekend uh, 53,000 passengers were flying to and from Cork Airport and it was a significant a significant portion of those flying in for the Guinness Cork Jazz Festival and we had performances in the arrivals area of the terminal Fantastic. building so the minute they landed at Cork Airport they got a flavour of the jazz before they hit Fantastic. terminal Fantastic well it would have been your your predecessor going back a bit the, the late great Barry Roach it was his idea long ago put a bit of music in the, in the, in the terminal and people just we've kept up that tradition you've kept it up absolutely loved it Barry um, the, the airport one thing about it is no matter how busy it gets, you get through it quickly. And that's something you're very proud of. It is, hugely. And it's a lot of focus, too, from a management point of view. Airports are, effectively, they're passenger processing facilities. We get you from what we might call a landside, from your car onto the plane, and we'll take you through all the processes that need to be done there. The biggest, I suppose, one of the biggest uh, things that we're very proud of at Cork Airport is the swift security times. And... As late as last month, and the, we've, we're just about totting up October's numbers now, but for September, 99.9% of passengers cleared security in 20 minutes or less. That's fantastic. So you're getting through swiftly. Mm. Uh, the great security staff in the airport, they're pleasant, they're friendly, they make people feel at ease. They feel, you know, they, if it be, some people might like flying, some people have, there might be a sense of mm. fear or, or, or about it, but we, what we try and do is we make them feel at ease. We make it that fri- we're, we're the friendly airport. Mm. You know, we, all, we had the slogan, fr- fly friendly, and we make sure that people get on their plane in a happy in a happy mood and on to wherever they're going because well, airports are happy places generally. July, July, I went out in a, very early on a Sunday morning, very busy Sunday morning, and we were through in, I'd say, 15, 16 minutes, like just flew through. And and there was a queue that morning. So, you know, even without a queue, it must be even faster. It's great. It's great to see Barry and delighted to see the team doing so well up there. Now, some street, <laughs> you have this office down at the bottom of the car park, which is where all of the the lost uh, stuff goes, or stuff that might be left in in look. Someone left an ore in there. They left an ore. How do you lose an ore? <laughs> How do you lose a set of false teeth <laughs> or a glass eye? Maybe they're Stop. just some You're of the joking. S- me. Not at all. Eye. Not at all. They're just some of the s- a selection of some of the stuff. Um, we've had um, we've had a, Mo- a Moses basket. Uh, found um, an electric wheelchair um, walking sticks were the healing airport um, <laughs> you'd kind of I don't wish to be in any way discriminatory here but you'd notice you were missing your wheelchair or your walking stick or your crutches absolutely no unless you were coming back from a pilgrimage or something and you were cured miraculously cured but we have we've, we've had all sorts of things we've had boomerangs handed in um, fish fresh fish no. Well, you, you're not supposed to carry that, are well, you? Well, somehow they landed in last property. <laughs> <laughs> Raw sausages. <laughs> no. We've had people looking for things like um, shopping bags. The, 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 the people would have rang in, a person rang in one time said, I lost a couple of shopping bags at the airport. They gave an accurate description of, I don't know whether it was one of the German discount retailers or whether it was a mm. Super Value or Tesco bag or something. But they said, this is the shop bag. So what some, some people do is then they're taking stuff out of the back of the car they set stuff down, right. you know, and then they all of a sudden forget about it when they hop back in. 
and it's left there. Barry, how cork is that? Because <laughs> in other parts of the world, that'd be surrounded mm. and there'd be a controlled explosion here. Oh, security would be on it uh, within a shot. <laughs> how cork is that? <laughs> 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 Pounds of butter. Pounds of Kerrygold butter. Um, mm. We've had um, electric toothbrush. Okay, you can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm still surprised at the wheelchair and the ore. Like you're not going, they're eight foot long, and and uh, very hard to store, mind you. In the last property section, they won't, of the car. They won't go into the overhead luggage. <laughs> they certainly won't. Another one was uh, one of our team one time was asked, uh, could they bring a, a power drill through security? No, and a set of drill bit sets. Uh, you've had you've had the, the the weird and the wonderful sometimes mm. that have been that have come true. I will say I was in the aforementioned Edinburgh Airport a few years ago, and they had a glass case uh, on display as you queued up for your security check. They had a glass case of the stuff that that had been found, and you wouldn't believe it. Like spanners, right? Egg beat. I mean, why would you take a cheese grater? <laughs> <laughs> it's just bizarre because even with the Kerrygold and the uh, and the sausages, you know, they're readily available nearly in every country in the world. So I don't know why anyone would see the need to be, unless it was more authentic that they took them from Ireland. But there's the thing we don't we don't. It's not great. We don't have to do that anymore. You'd be you'd see it years ago. I remember your your predecessor, the late great John Smith, used to tell me about vacuum packed packets of meat that someone had left on the bar counter. <laughs> To make a good sandwich, probably. <laughs> to make a fine sandwich. <laughs> Barry, listen, I wish you the best with everything. I know that you'll be making an announcement in the springtime for the summer of 2024. Can you give me any tasters as well? We're working on a couple of things. I think there's a, there's a, significant, um, there's a significant level of interest now, and of course, what we are offering for summer. Uh, we're still working on it. We're still, uh, we're still tic-tacking with the airlines on it. Mm. It may even be sooner. It may even be as early as December. People um, will say to me, and I, I can see it coming in already, uh, Greece and Turkey. We love Greece or Turkey. We love Greece or Turkey. We're working very hard for many years now to get Greece or Turkey. Yeah. So uh, we, let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Now we uh, be rest assured, uh, we will be putting the, uh, the 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 desires of the Corkonians and people from all across Munster on the tables for the airlines when we meet them as to where they want to fly to. And lastly, the fact that and I don't think we push this enough, and you and I chatted about this before. We don't push. You can get to the four corners of the world starting in Cork. I don't think we push that enough. Literally. Literally, you can start your journey from Cork to Tokyo at Cork Airport. You can start your journey to Buenos Aires. You can start a journey to Vancouver. You can start a journey to Perth, Australia, all from the comfort and the ease of Cork Airport. Park your car in Cork Airport. Take one of our uh, connecting flights to one of the major European hubs like uh, Heathrow with Aer Lingus and British Airways, like Amsterdam with KLM and Aer Lingus, Charles de Gaulle in the summertime and Frankfurt and Zurich, mm. all during the summertime, and jet on to the farthest off corner of the world, possibly which will one stop in between. Starting it's and finishing. Starting and finishing. And there's nothing better, PJ, than arriving back into the Cork Airport and that short journey down the hill home. Indeed, indeed. We don't and we don't that's something I think we don't push enough. And we don't push it enough. We thought Cork Airport is as much an international airport as Dublin or Shannon. Absolutely. You can get anywhere. Our hub connectivity is the envy of other regional airports in the state. And we're 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 mightily pleased to have such a great offering there. And more recently, we, we, we ran with a, with a, with a, with a marketing campaign about it all. It was called It All Starts Here.
Mm. The holiday starts here, but also your flights, your journey. You park mm-hmm. the car, the ease of security, and the great destinations that you can choose from if you're flying to any part of the world. Very good. Not least coming and back all home the to information's Cork. on the website, including that. And we won't talk about this time. We mentioned before this that wonderful WhatsApp service. You need to it's find on the website. Absolutely. Barry, as as always, my best to the staff and team and your good self. And thank you, PJ. Airport. Thank you. Wish you a very successful uh, winter season. That's um, that's Barry Holland from Cork Airport. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Now, chatting earlier this morning with uh, Dr. Chris Luke about household accidents. We'll podcast that and many other elements of the show in the early afternoon for you. And about the people there. And I couldn't say enough about the people who helped me in my short stay in, in hospital. And particularly... And what they call the acute phase, when I was brought in, I brought myself in. I was in a lot of pain and my breath was going against me and they they sorted me out in, 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 in jig time. I was delighted with them. They're great people. Problem is, we know this, there's not enough of them. There's not enough of them. And some of the services that operate really well, say Monday to Friday, don't, always, don't often operate at the weekend. And particularly mental health services, for example. And if you have a, a troubled youngster, um, you know, youngster going through difficult times, weekends can be a nightmare. Um, Sarah Toomey has had such a nightmare of a weekend. Um, she says she's at breaking point now. Um, it's it's to do with, with her beautiful 15-year-old boy, Matthew. Um, Sarah, tell 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 me about him. Good morning to you. Hi, uh, PJ. So my son Matthew is fifteen. All not we'll be sixteen in March. Um, he's severely autistic, so he was born with an autistic brain. So he's always had issues with autism. But um, the major difficulties that has us in crisis, the crisis we're in now began about eighteen months ago. He doesn't speak, does he, Sarah? No. He's non-verbal. He's non-speaking. Um, he can understand. Um, his 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 own expression, verbal expression, is limited. But he does have words, and okay. he finds other ways. He finds other ways to, to communicate. You know, it's one word. It's what he wants in the moment. But he can't communicate his worries, his fears, his preferences. Um, I'm just painting just painting a picture for myself. So, so his dad is very ill at the moment. His father has had ongoing issues with his stomach, um, put on the long finger because of us being complete bombarded repeatedly with one crisis after the other, which meant he couldn't he couldn't be off the scene and we have no support. And on Wednesday he collapsed and we called the ambulance and he had surgery on Thursday morning. He's um, he's still under sedation with intubation, so he's asleep and he doesn't know okay. what's happening. And um, I haven't been able to support him. Um, because I have, you know, I can't leave my son and I can't leave him with other people. Yeah, and and Matthew's taking it quite badly, I think, is he? Yes, he does. He doesn't like his dad to be away at all, no. Yeah, his dad is this kind of best mate, is he? Always, always together. His dad regulates his nervous system more than anybody in, in around, you know, at the moment. His dad is his external regulator, you know. That's a remarkable relationship. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. My partner is a fantastic um, father. He's a, he's an angel. 
He's he absolutely is. And, and I can't wait to see his smile and, and his eyes open and, and his smile and to tell him everything's okay. We hope that happens very, very soon. But poor Matthew is not taking this well at all. And he's been almost no. impossible, I think, to, to calm him down the last few days, has he? Well, yes, but, um, you know, as I said, it has been ongoing for 18 months where the aggression and the anxiety rises, but it it gets to dangerous, very dangerous levels. And increasingly, recently, it got to dangerous levels. So seven weeks ago, he um, he took my house down over a 40-hour period. He smashed everything. He broke oh windows. God. He can put his hand through windows. And I had three attempts to get him brought to the hospital by ambulance over the 48 hours, and I succeeded on the third one. Mm-hmm. And we were sent home after a few hours. Yeah. But had he injured himself, Sarah? Uh, he just got some bruises, but we're injured, like, superficial now. You yes. know what I mean? But we don't want to categorise injuries, uh, PJ. An injury is an injury. And, and the, you know, the, the, the aggression is, like, it's an expression of his inner rage. It, it, it symbolises how, how much rage he's in. Sure. He doesn't know he's hurting himself or other people, you know. So that was seven weeks ago, and then that helped us a bit to get him a pain assessment done with the dentist in terms of was there like anyone with a nonverbal autistic child will tell you that pain can set them off so we're on a, a journey of discovering that's out route the physical so there was an 18 month waiting list for the dentist you know the special needs one even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And I had, so when we came out of the COH seven weeks ago, I had a big, another big campaign um, myself to get listened to that we needed him bumped up that list. And so we waited three weeks for that and three or four weeks and we got him in and they checked out the teeth. He was knocked out and his molars are coming up. He's, he's a little bit delayed with, with the molars, but he, he has an unusual tooth presentation mm-hmm. and two tiny little cavities that the dentist was, they weren't of the opinion that that was the cause of, you know, that it shouldn't be skyrocketing his pain. So we were back to, back to the drawing board again and what, what is this and what is that? And we just took day by day and, um, Oh, he's in pain from, he's in pain from something, Sarah, and you don't know what it is. There, yes. So this time around, um, we found there's a little bit of fluid on the ear. And nothing has been done about it yet. So essentially, since we arrived, my son has been in a room being medicated. When did you bring him to hospital and why this weekend? I brought him to hospital. What day is today in a PJ? Today's Tuesday. Okay, so Sunday. Um, do you know, today, okay, yeah. So yesterday, yesterday, I don't know what day I have. Yesterday, I brought him in uh, via ambulance. Um, they have identified the fluid in the air that hasn't been addressed. So all that's been addressed is let's medicate him. Right. And the room he was put into was really, really um, not suitable at all. Um, it's, it's a meeting room with two doors that open both ways. So for eight or nine hours yesterday, he was trying to escape 
and we have multiple staff stopping him from opening the door out, but he could open it in. Do you understand me? I do, yeah. Yeah, so they found something similar, not ideal. We adapted it. We were in there an hour with screwdrivers removing equipment and taping, padding on the walls and all that stuff. And he's been in there now since last night. It must be very hard. PJ, I'm living outside of my body, like. I'm I am walking around here doing everything I need to do. But I'm outside of my body doing it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is not going to hit me for a long time. I am having moments where I completely break down and then your body clicks, clicks off and says, no, survive again now for another half an hour. And that's the way I go. That's the way I go. Completely and understand that's, that. that's what you have to do. Fight, fight or flight. I, I'm fighting. Completely understand that. Now, I'm fighting. Matthew has a CAMS care team. He has a CAMS uh, six years. Since 20, 2018. Okay. 2017, 2018, I think. And you haven't been able to contact that team all weekend? I spoke to them on Tuesday yeah. last week. So then... When my partner was hospitalised on Wednesday, of course, I got back to him because, you know, it, it was going to it was going to hype everything up, but nothing back. Mm-hmm. No. Emails and phone calls. And the disability manager also did contact them, but nobody got back to me. Yeah. And as you can imagine, um, it's really difficult for me to be making calls, even though my phone is blowing up. But I'm still managing a child on my own who's very... Who's breaking the house up and hurting himself? I understand. In a cycle of calm, calm, freak out, calm, freak out, you know, throughout the day, like. And has anybody asked you, because I'm asking you now, has anybody asked you what is it you need? Yeah. What do you need? Right now, he needs to be removed from the COH emergency department to a safe place that can satisfy his needs and look after him and help us to stabilise him. That's what I need. That's what we need today. That's what we need now. Bank holiday weekend, the whole lot. I understand that, right? But I have to keep saying that's what I need anyway, even if it's not there at the moment. That, that's what we need. I assume you have said it to them at the hospital. What have they said? They've contacted whoever needs to be... Co- you see, there's nobody on duty that is qualified to, to look at that aspect. So, you know, the medical staff and COH are just maintaining him, yeah. maintaining us. They're looking after his physical well-being. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the hospital can't stuck in and out there looking after the medication side. And a social worker would have to come on board then to look at a placement to help stabilise my child in the short run with the view to something more permanent, maybe, you know, some part, part of the week, some are specialised in parts of the week with his family. And those placements are very few and very far between. They're very limited. Yeah. And, you know, PJ, I didn't think that I would be having this conversation with my heart and my mind. I thought I'd another 10 years before I had to go here in my, in my head. I, wouldn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to hear of anybody else caring for my child. It's the last thing any mammy ever uh, wants to do. No way. My head is saying, Sarah, come on now. I'm going to have to make this decision now. This is for your son. And you can get your beautiful son. You can ha- His beautiful self will come back. We'll start us back up when he gets the help that he needs. But the home environment can't do that at the moment. Most home environments actually can't do it, you know, like at his level of severity. Like. Tell me what he used to be like before things went a bit wrong. Oh, quite hyper. 
um, fun-loving, cheeky, very clever, very crafty. Mm. Loves music, singing. He notices everything. Yeah. I think he's not taking anything in and the next day he'd say something that she didn't, that some, some you know, he'd repeat something that was said yeah. on, as an off-comment last week. He'd say it verbatim, you know. Very, very aware of what's going on around him. Yeah. But then the upshot is that kind of awareness can lead to extreme anxiety as well and that, that started to develop in puberty. Ah. You know, so... So much can change in the young autistic person when they hit puberty. It, and and you, yeah. have to, you have to be a parent to know that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Look, neurotypical children are difficult um, during puberty. Like. Ain't that the truth? You know, yeah. that, that's a big challenge for, for most people. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, um, it's a rite of passage you go through and it's a battle, you know, that people, all people go through as they go through puberty and it, at very various levels of difficulty. Well, when you have um, a person who's neurodiverse in whatever way that is mm-hmm. the puberty and, and the change in the hormones and all that it's amazing um, just exacerbate their ability to inability to cope you know you, you express it very well I will let you get back to your wonderful mm-hmm. boy and when he does come round and he does wake up and you are able to talk to him again my best to your partner thank you so much PJ thank you Milan is dad's name is yeah um, thank you thank you very much um, Sarah, wish everybody well. We got a statement. We we asked the HSE uh, for a statement with regard to to Sarah, and they've sent us one, which we thought at the bank holiday weekend we wouldn't get one, but we did. And we got this back from Cork Kerry Community Healthcare. They obviously don't, and we didn't ask them to comment on specific cases, but we did tell them that we had been talking to, or we were, were going to be talking to. To Sarah, they said, we sincerely apologise to young people and families affected by difficulties in accessing respite. We acknowledge the huge importance of respite services for young people with disabilities and for their families. We are continuing to develop respite services for children and adolescents, both centre-based and alternative services. We are engaging with the wider sector to secure any additional services that will meet the needs of children adolescent and families. Within Cork Kerry Community Healthcare, we avail of any or all support for young people as and when it becomes available. There are already arrangements in place with some providers like the Rainbow Club and Enable Ireland. In an emergency, we look for bespoke solutions at short notice. We will continue to work hard to further develop and expand our disability services and improve access for those who need our services and for their families. Again, We deeply regret the distress experienced by young people and their families. That's a statement issued to the opinion line by Cork Kerry Community Healthcare in response to Sarah's story, which we appreciate the the sending of the statement. The one question it doesn't address really is why in a situation like a bank holiday weekend, there is nobody there. There is nobody at the end of the phone to address, look, the medical staff helping him with medication, doing their level best to give him a place to stay, can do their best for him, the medical staff at CUH. I think Sarah's very clear about that. They're doing their level best within their own remit, within their own facilities, doing their absolute best. But the people who really need to be there with him, the people he really needs to work with in the situation in which he finds himself and his parents find themselves, they're not contactable at the weekend. Uh, and particularly on a long weekend. 
Well, thank you again to Cork Kerry Community Healthcare Response for that statement. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. An evening of flora and song. It takes place on Friday, the 3rd of November at the Castle Hotel McCroom at 8pm. There'll be a flower demonstration plus a performance from the local vocals. Proceeds from the event will go towards the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary on Cork's 96FM. If you work in hospitality all your life, uh, you'll know the faults within it as to how difficult it is to manage rosters and how difficult it is to manage costing and all that kind of thing and trying to get staff to do this shift that shift and the other and staff sharing shifts and swapping shifts sure it is a flipping nuisance it's an absolute nuisance but Richard Goggin has invented an app there's an app for that there is an app for that called Work Wall and Richard Goggin has developed this app after working in hospitality for 20 odd years of his life Richard before we talk about it though um, you were travelling for years and years, and ten years, in fact, you you were travelling before you developed uh, this this app and 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 adapted it for the sector. So where were you? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me, PJ. Cheers. Um, where have I been? Well, I think it'd be a shorter list to just say where I've lived, I suppose, because there's lots of places in between. So I started from quite a, a young age, about 22. I left for about 10 years. Um, started off in New Zealand and then Australia and would have kind of hopped between the two for about five years. Yeah. And then went off to Canada for uh, a year and a half or so and then down to Brazil for another two and a half years or so before uh, before promising my poor mother that I'd that I'd come home um, for Christmas because we hadn't had a family Christmas together in 10 years. What was the bug that got you going in the first place? I think that was in me from a very, very young age. And my mother saw it well because I wanted to go before college, take a year out. And she said, you are not going anywhere until you finish college because once you're gone, you won't be coming back anytime soon, I don't think. So I went away for just a summer that year um, and came back and... and, uh, and went for went for the just three years of college, and that's all I would have handled. And um, and then packed my bag and and off I went. It's often been said that if you can learn to pull a good pint, you will <laughs> get work anywhere in the world. Is it true? Certainly, as an Irish person, anyway, I think our standard of good pint is a lot different to the rest of the world. And uh, God knows you'll get enough grief if you don't pour a good pint here. So there's a there's fast learning in that. Certainly within the hospitality industry, you see that everywhere. Pouring a good pint and chefs are in high demand, I think, pretty much everywhere in the world. Yeah. And, and they like Irish people. We seem to get on well everywhere we go. We do indeed, yeah. Well, we're lovely people, PJ. But also, also especially when we're in bars, we're quite used to kind of having the chat and being able to sit there and entertain people at the other end. So those that can understand us seem to, <laughs> seem to enjoy our company a lot, yeah. So did you intend to go for that long or was it just, hey, I like this? No, the original plan was just for two years. I had around the world in two years. So six months here, six months there. Do that for six. I think I was Asia for six months. I went to Australia for six months, New Zealand for six months, and then South America for six months. Um, and as the closer I got to each one of them, the, the closer it grew into a year to two years. And 
and that just grew legs. And then Canada appeared out, North America appeared out of nowhere, um, and and Brazil also. There was no staying there for six months. It was um, it's an absolutely great spot. So no, it just everywhere just got extended quite considerably as I as I hopped to each place and liked each place more and more and more. Mm. What was the attraction of travelling? Was it was it just to discover new horizons, new people, new places, or or what was it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think when you there was there was something I loved about the uncertainty of just you know not knowing where you were going, not knowing where you were going to work. You know, I just pretty much packed up and left every six months. You know, once I got quite familiar with the place, um, I just had a bit of a, a kind of calling to um, to start afresh, see where I could go, meet new people, totally different cultures. And, you know, that's what I loved, especially when you get you know outside of Europe, culture changes so much, um, and you just see all these little things that you that you just love. You wish you had at home. You know. Yeah. What kind of jobs did you do? Mostly within hospitality, um, so working in restaurants, managing hostels, things like that, um, managing bars, um, and there's always a need for them everywhere you go. Pretty much, it's a, it's an industry that's that's always looking for, and especially if you're Irish, looking for um, for new staff. So that that wasn't too hard. Your first job as young for I think was collecting glasses. I did that myself at the college bar in UCC. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's hard pressed to find anybody kind of um, slightly older that hasn't done a little stint within within bars or restaurants at some stage as an Irish person. Uh, yeah, just the tender age of thirteen, I was um, I was at the back of the the Briar Rose collecting, uh, just doing an hour or so, um, putting bottles back when you had to sort bottles, putting bottles back into their Schweppes crates and their Cincy crates, um, and then once I was kind of a bit older and able to work longer yeah. hours, that we were in um, moved into the bar. And then progressed on to restaurants and, uh, and yeah, continue to manage them from probably about 20, 21 years of age. Uh, of all the traveling that you did, is there a favorite place other than Cork? Would you settle, for example? Where is there? <laughs> well, put other than Cork. Um, to settle, well, to settle, I think my, my most, my, my most, my favorite city would have been Melbourne. Um, there's always something going on in Melbourne. Um, it's a very, very cool city. Uh, very easy to get around. Very easy to live in. Never a dull moment. Mm. Um, but for people and culture, probably like I really liked Brazil. I just think there's something so lovely about the, the people there. I think we're we're all quite familiar with them here. But um, I just absolutely they're so caring and lovely. Um, a very lovable people. Yeah, it's a place I've never been. It's a place I'd love to see. And you're not the first person that I've talked to who've been there. And loved it. What, what's different about it? They're incredibly welcoming. Like you know, they'll do anything for you. You know that there's there's you know, there's 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 quite a mentality. I think within a lot of the places I I had been to that you'll you'll meet a lot of locals, but uh, uh, you know it's quite hard to get into a clique sometimes. You know, especially in in, in um, like North North America, um, it's quite hard to get into that local clique and to be invited around to places. I think I'm quite a nice person in case you're wondering if that's what's behind it. But I think we're kind of guilty of that here too as well. Um, you know, that we're, we're very welcoming. We're in the bar and we've had a few drinks and we'll always sit there and talk, where are you from? But it's very rare you'll turn around to somebody and say, ah, come here, let's go climb the mountains there tomorrow. I'll drive you here. Here's my favourite spot. Whereas they'll do that in Brazil. They'll actually be like, you have to go to my favourite waterfall. I'm going to take you there next week. And we're going to do this. And they're just so lovely and they'll do anything for you. Is there a lot of poverty there? There is certainly, um, you know, there's 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 favelas everywhere. Um, what's what's a favela? A favela would be a kind of slum. Um, I think slum might might put a little bit more of a of a harsh image in your head. Um, they're just quite compact. 
um, residential areas, shall we say. But the people there, you know, are lovely. But there's um, there's certainly a lot of poverty and there's a lot of crime goes on in there and they're there. there. Mm. It's very hard for the police to get in there and stuff. But the people, everybody in there as well, you know, everybody that I met from the fellas, favelas were just lovely people. You know, I worked with a few of them. Um, it was just more of a, a financial reason, you know, that that accommodation there is obviously a lot cheaper. But yeah, yeah. And for the most part, um, I don't think, you know, I, I think the image we have in, in our head um, of completely lawless and stuff just is, is a bit harsh. Yeah, there's a lot of people, young people are going to Australia now for a few months or a year or maybe two years. Uh, and Melbourne, you said you loved it. That's where they're headed. Well, what advice would you give young people planning to head away? My biggest advice for anybody going anywhere is probably not to take anybody's advice. Um, <laughs> so, certainly, you know, everybody kind of carves their own path, you know, and everybody say, oh, where's the best place you've been to? What's the best thing you've done? And most of that is dependent on the people you meet rather than the places you go, you know. So everybody's story is different and everybody will like somewhere different because they meet different people when they go there. There's certainly things you should see and do. Um, but, you know, like for me, Melbourne was a great spot. But for somebody else, they might love Sydney, which I didn't enjoy at all. Or, you yeah. know, yeah. other areas, they're different. It's different for everyone. I would say go in, have a taste have a taste of everywhere um, and, and, you know, take two or three places, see if you get a feel for an area and, and settle down there. And that's the one for you, you know. I was chatting to a fella on the phone last week who went to uh, Paris for three months, 13 and a half years ago. So if it sticks to you, it sticks to, to you. Was it always on your own? Was there ever anyone with you? I started travelling with myself and one other. Um, we lasted he he came back after about a year year and a half we met another friend after six months um, but yeah after about a year year and a half I was quite happy to kind of you know I was very settled and used to it and I, as I said I always wanted somewhere new so I was always looking for, for, for a change of scenery um, and always settled in places you know I think it's quite easy to travel by yourself once once you're not too worried about it you'll bump into new people you're very more much more open and welcoming you know you have to smile you can't be the grumpy fella sitting in the corner if you're by yourself you know um, so it definitely changes your kind of outlook and your general um personality when you're traveling by yourself so I always welcomed it. I have to say if I have one regret in life I don't have many but one is that I didn't do a bit of solo traveling. Did did, did romance ever wave at you and say will you stay around a bit? <laughs> it, it waved but it passed by quite quickly as well you know um, I always had in my head you know I was very much aware that uh, that I, I wasn't probably hanging around wherever I was once 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 that ever did wave at me, I knew that I wouldn't be oh. long for the area, so I didn't, uh, I wasn't going breaking it. A bit of a rolling but, stone, like? Yeah, always, you know, I don't think it's fair, I don't think it's fair. I always had it at the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, um, it was, that was fleeting anything that ever, that ever came by. And it was Mammy who said, would you ever come home, for goodness sake, was it? Well, she didn't really, I think it was more, it was, I called her for her birthday. Um, and I was, it was, it, the hour difference meant that I was probably a few, a few sherries deep at that stage. And um, I said, you know what, I'm coming home for Christmas because we haven't had a Christmas together in, in 10 years. And she was delighted um, and so happy. And then I home up the phone. I don't think I've ever sobered up quite so fast in my life. I'm realizing that I was getting on the plane in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, and then once I was back, you know, that was it. And I decided to kind of turn my hand to something else. I don't think, I think when you're kind of, when I was at that age and I'd done it for 10 years, I felt a bit guilty going away and knowing that I may not be back for another 10. So I said I'd, um, I'd see what else I could, I could do while I was here. So you planted the feet and then 
the app. Now, you've learned so much about hospitality in all the different places you've been. What does this app do or what do you want it to do? Well, what the focus was, um, like I would have seen when I was living in places like like Canada, they, they're, they, the shift swapping apps are quite popular over there. And I always, I was just amazed it was something that we hadn't really explored here or used, especially when we've, as I said, we've so many of us have been through the industry. Um, it's such a part of our culture um, that I was just amazed it wasn't here. I had kind of forgotten about it when I went down to Brazil. But when I came back on that on that flight, I was like, well, what will I do now? I was like, remember you had this idea. Where, where it came from, wasn't it, that you wanted to go to a music festival in Canada and you wanted to get time off in a hurry. And that's where it kind of grew from, wasn't it? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So whilst in Canada, I decided to surprise my mum for one of her big birthdays. So I spent quite a lot of money coming back for a few weeks um, and had always dreamed, like probably number one on my bucket list was to go to uh, the Burning Man Festival down in Nevada. Hmm. So I was back about three weeks before knowing that I had no money. So I'd, I'd resigned to the fact that I wouldn't be going. Um, but the kind of the reality of not going kicked in about a, a week and a half and I managed to get last minute tickets. And I turned around to my manager and I was like, just to let you know, I've got last minute tickets and I'm going to be going to this festival. And she said, no, you're not. You've got a full week and a half left of, of shifts. And so I put it up on this app and I said, look, guys, please, this is something I've always wanted to do. Please, um, if you do this for me, I'll do anything for you. And sure enough, everybody, the whole team chipped in um, and they all took a shift each. You know, they all worked the next day. I went down, I had, you know, one of the best times of my life and yeah. I came back owing so much to the team and it brought us so much closer together. You know, I came back and was like, I'll do anything for you, anything you want. Yeah. And then that was it, you know, that really, I think, you know, that, 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 that always stayed with me. And it was always like, why do we not have something like that? You know, it's that flexibility within, within the industry. It's the nicest thing. It's the one thing we have over any other industry, you know, you have to play to your strengths. So the fact that I could turn around and go, can you all chip in? You know, you can't do that in other jobs. You have your three weeks off. Um, whereas hospitality, you can afford to take, you know, do a three or a four day week and then do six days when you need more money and, and that you should have that flexibility and you should have that ability to be able to do that. And that's what the app affords you. And also for managers, you know, it takes away the hassle of them having to find cover for people and that there's a lot easier for staff to find their own cover. So it's kind of getting two birds with one stone. That seems to be the biggest problem across the industry in the last few months anyway. I mean, anyone I've met and had a chat with over the last six to eight months trying to get staff to cover shifts. You've got kitchens that should have five people in them and they've only got three and you have managers running between a bar and a kitchen and a place that was supposed to open at four o'clock isn't opening until six o'clock. There's a huge... Can your app be used to, to help that? Oh, 100%. Um, that's, that, well, you know, that was one of the fundamentals of it as well, you know, that that staff are kind of empowered to find their own cover and they'll do it the night before rather because, you know, especially your best employees um, will turn around and say, you know, I feel sick now, but I'll see how I feel in the morning. You know, I'll wait. And then in the morning you get that that call 30 minutes before their shift or an hour before their shift. And, and as a manager, I'm left with the panic going, well, who am I going to call now? Especially if it's early in the morning, you know, who can I call? Um, and that's true, I think, across several several different sectors. You know, my, my girlfriend, being a nurse, and she, you know, said it's very hard for them to be able to find cover for people. I know it's very hard in education for teachers to be able to find cover the next day as well. So, you know, the, the idea is that they have a platform where they can actually put it up and say, please, anybody cover me. Once somebody does, that will notify the manager. They'll always get final say, the manager. They'll always want final say because I turned around to a few managers and they're like, not my staff, I can't trust them. But I would always say, give it a, give it a shot, you know. And if you, can, if you can encourage that, you're actually getting rid of a lot of the hassle. A premise where the staff are happy and the shifts suit them and the hours work for them, that's worth anything. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think Richard Branson, any customer facing job, basically, and that's, you know, they said that that goes down to carers and nurses and all those as well. Um, that any customer facing job, I think Richard Branson said, you know, look after your staff first. They're the ones that are going to be looking after your customers. It's that simple, you know. Um, if you look after, you should always be leaning and trying to keep your staff happy. Um, it's going to cost you a fortune to replace them in the first, you know, in the first instance, but you're also going to be rewarded things with better customer retention you know we all love going into a place where we know all the staff and you can they know your order and you know you're so familiar with people and it's you don't get that as much anymore you know I don't think from from what it was kind of 20 years ago where you'd always go in know the same faces and be able to talk to the staff it's a lot more transient than it was I think um so yeah I think look after your staff they're 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 key and they'll 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 make you a lot of money at the end of the day if you're treating them right you know if you if you can if you can um, afford to hold on to them allow them to swap shifts when it doesn't suit them, give away shifts when they want to, and just get a roster that suits them a little bit better. It's going to keep them happy and you're going to be rewarded in so many different ways, I think, as an owner. Exciting, exciting to say the least. Richard, good talking to you and best of luck with it. Workwall. Theworkwall.com. Thank you so much, uh, PJ. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and uh, all the best. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Mind. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Uh, were you at that match? Was it yesterday, the Cork City... Uh, Shamrock Rovers match and look congratulations to to Rovers on on winning yet another league it's been what 12 in a row now (laughs) I think at this stage Um, but well done to them but uh, there was controversy over not Cork City's decision not to do a guard of honour for them now look they're not entitled to one it's it's a kind of a tradition but they're not actually entitled to one and they were given out a bit about it in fact they were spitting feathers about it that they didn't get one um, find out a bit more about that were you at that game yesterday and what did you think when there was no no guard of honour um, certainly Stephen Bradley is the, the, the gaffer at Rovers is, is far from happy now to be honest with you Come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, the Christmas markets are starting up or will be starting up over the next few weeks. And they're anywhere and they're everywhere. And they're in every village and town and county hall and community centre over the next few weeks. And Cloda, have a listen to this. Cloda's been trying to get her business in, get a stall in. And she, she took to Instagram about it. Maybe October 16th, but it's time to talk about Christmas markets and actually how difficult it is to get into Christmas markets, which I certainly didn't know. I thought you just said you wanted to go there and they let you come. It's not that easy. You can't just say, I want to go and go. have to apply to mafia out there to get into Christmas markets. A mafia out there to get into Christmas markets. And Cloda, this is a new business for you, is it? Good morning. Hey, PJ. Yeah, it's super new. Just kind of something I'm doing on the side um, to see how it goes, really. What is it, craft or food or what is it? 
No, so it's a little uh, mindfulness uh, manifestation journal that I created okay. because I love doing that and I found all the other ones are quite big and bulky. So I wanted something that I could carry around with me even if I just had hand luggage. I was going away for a weekend. I could still bring it and not worry it taking up space and weight, okay. you know. So a little, little book, is it? Or a little calendar or what? No, so it's um, called the mini and it's a little journal. So you would you can write in it every day if you want or you can write in every second day. It's just about trying to stay clear in your goals, okay. stay positive and in that sense manifest the things that you would like to in your life. Okay, okay. So a little mindfulness tool. And you wanted to try to get into the Christmas markets to sell it? Yeah, so obviously since COVID is over, you know, people are less engaged with buying local. It's harder to get yourself out there. But one of the major parts of it is Christmas markets, a great place. People are very motivated to buy and very interested in buying local, I feel, at Christmas markets. Mm -hmm. But I had no clue how hard it was to get. I thought, you know, you just said you wanted to go and they were like, yeah, no problem. This is the fee. This is the date. Here you go. It isn't that at all. Um, my first one I tried to get into was in Ballymaloo. And the ladies were lovely, but apparently to get into Ballymaloo, you have to apply in April. In April? To get a stall. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so they were full, they just had no space left? Yeah, they were full. And then I got into the River Stick one after that. Um, so I was really excited about that. Then I applied to the one in Glountown, and unfortunately, I didn't get into that one. They don't give you any reasons. They just say, tell us who you are an outline of your business and link them out to any websites or social you have. And then from there, they just look through the businesses and they decide if they like you or not and if you can go. You'd imagine, okay, they don't want too much repeat business. They don't want yes. sort of 10 stalls selling you logs, but there ain't going to be 10 stalls selling mindfulness. I know it's, and they don't give you any reason as to why, you know, maybe the business isn't big enough or like you said, maybe there's too many of the same time, same type of business, but I can't imagine there's that many journals going to be there. But I was really blown away at how difficult it is and how much of a closed group it is. So a lot of small businesses who do a lot of markets and pop-ups, they know all the ones that are coming up. They're already in on it. They know when to apply and who to contact. Mm. And only for another business um, sending me on information for ones coming up before they were promoted. That's kind of how I got into it, really. Sounds to me like at this stage, Claudia, you'd be better off if you want to get a loads of them, better off applying for 2024 at this stage. Well, if I want Ballymaloo, definitely 2024 apply now. <sighs> Yeah. And is it expensive yeah. to it to display? Um, some of them are kind of 120, some of them are 25, 30 euros. Uh, I'm obviously going to the more affordable ones mm -hmm. because being a really small business and just something I do in my spare time, I couldn't have possibly afford 120 euros. But in the whole, I feel like they are very reasonably priced because a lot of them are community led ones. So yeah. the one, yeah. my local one in Ring that was 25 euros for the stall. So that money then is going back into the local community, which is great. Of course it is. And you, you hope you do some, some trade on it. Like you said, people go to Christmas markets and they have brought some money and they're going to spend a few quid. It's a good opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And I feel very strange talking about Christmas markets on, on the Halloween. But like you actually wouldn't realise 
I put it on Facebook saying to people, if you hear, let me know. And some of my friends were like, Clara, calm down. It's September. Yeah. And I was saying, you, you wouldn't realise... Yeah, it's eight eight it. weeks today, Clodagh, is St. Stephen's Day. Wow. That's scary. <laughs> and I was counting this morning the number of shows we have until Christmas. There's only 39 left. Oh, my God. So it's, there you it go. It goes so fast. This is why I always say people say, oh, you can't start talking about Christmas in September. Like you said, in Ballymaloo, they're talking about it in April. Exactly. Yeah, and if you want to be part of it... You have to be so ahead of the game and thinking about it. I would say probably in August, if you want to get into the majority of Christmas markets, but the bigger ones, you have to be applied way earlier than that. So how many have you managed to, to get into? And are you still trying to get into more? I've landed now. So I'm in Ring Skitty on the 25th, 26th of November. And then my next one is Riverstick on the 3rd of December. Okay. And then I'm in Clonmel on the 9th and 10th. And that's all that I have so far. So um, I suppose stock-wise as well, I really need to, I don't want to be in for too many because hopefully there's a mad rush on them and I'm sold out <laughs> and I don't have any more for any more markets. That's mm. the goal. Wouldn't DJ. that be great? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. And I'm going to manifest it. Oh, yes, there. Now there's the thing. Talk to me. My, my, my missus is into this manifestation as well. Talk to me about and I remember you being, being around here working with us years ago. You were always big into manifestation. If you want something, manifest it. Talk to me about that. How does that work? So I know a lot of people think it's quite airy-fairy and they think that it's about, I want this new car. So I'm just going to say I want it and it will come to me. But actually, it's about setting intentions and doing things daily to reach your goal. Like you can't just say, I want to win the lotto, but never buy the ticket. You know, you do have to action things for you to get what you want in life. But, you know, it's kind of about staying in a positive mindset, about putting your goals down, but breaking them down slowly. So if you want that new job, OK, well, what am I going to do to help myself to get that new job? Maybe I need to do a small course on the side. I'm going to be more active on LinkedIn. I'm going to attend some networking events. And by doing all those small things and keeping it positive in your mind of what you want, you're easier able to manifest what you want because you're putting it out into the universe. You're making yourself available and open to the things that you want to bring into your life. That's really... I remember reading The Secret long ago and and lots of people got into the secret that book and there was a film a film and everything else after it and it became a thing with loads and loads of people and then sort of the secret was put onto a bookshelf and forgotten about but the whole asking the universe putting things out into the universe there's people really yeah. into it Claude. i i loved the secret as well but actually I found that it doesn't really explain all the steps that well. I found the secret was very much kind of say you want it and you'll have it, but not telling you about all the background work that you also need to put in. Like I said, you can't win the lotto by never buying a ticket. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with manifesting. You can't say, I want to fit into that dress that I wore last year because I put on a bit of weight, but never go on a diet or never increase your steps. Or, you know, you do actually have to do things as well yeah. in conjunction with all the putting it into the universe for it to come to you. So I actually read a girl called Roxy Nafusi's book, um, I think it's seven steps to manifesting okay. is what it's called. And that 
wow. Like, I was blown away at how easily and digestible she makes it. I think I know the book you're talking about. Certainly I might have heard an interview with her and she's saying that no matter what you want in life, no matter what your goal is, there are seven steps to it. No matter how small or how big it is, there are seven steps to every goal in life. And the skill is to be able to write them down one by one and achieve them one by one. 100% it's all about putting it out in the universe making yourself clear in your goals that you want being able to break them down not in letting fear get into the way because even before I started the mini I was thinking God what will people say will people laugh about it will they be telling me I'm mad you know you're worried will people be talking about you going look at the state of that thing that she just did like what a dope you know you're worrying that people and your your negative thoughts are stopping you from doing things. But actually, the fear is going to stop you getting what you want. People in the whole, I found, are very receptive, are very supportive and are really actually, you know, cheering for you to be a success and will tell their friends about it. So mm. your fear in your own mind stops you from doing a lot. And she makes you realize that that is what's stopping you, the fear of it not working or you not getting what you want or Mm -hmm. people perceiving you to kind of be, I suppose, putting it on social, starting a a page and you have to do a lot of talking to camera that some people might think, who does this one think she is? Yeah. You know, sometimes the one standing in our way is ourselves. Every time, every time, where are the people who put the blocks in the way? You know, you can't say, oh, well, I want to lose weight. Oh, but my back is really sore, so I won't bother. But actually, maybe your back is sore because you might need orthotics. But what about looking at swimming? That's really good if you have a bad back or maybe going to see a PT. You know, we kind of put our own blocks in place sometimes Mm. that stop us achieving what we want. Well, you know, when someone says to you about the mini, you're thinking, oh, that's a silly little idea. What you do is you turn around and you say, yeah, sh- yeah, sure enough, you said the secret didn't explain a whole pile. But just how much dosh has Rhonda Byrne trousered since that book hit the shelves? Yeah, and also how many lives has she changed? She could have actually made people a lot more positive, a lot happier in life. So, Mm. yeah, if it works for one person, then it's great. And yeah, people talk about you, but to be in the whole, people aren't really that interested. We're all so busy in our own lives that you you think people want to talk about you. Have you pages where people can find the mini Cloda? Have you Facebook? Have you Instagram? Where have you? I mainly on Instagram. It's at the mini.ie and the same on TikTok. I'm also on Facebook, but I suppose I'm kind of there because you have to be there. But yeah, all right. Facebook it, is, is it's a dying dinosaur, really. It is still the biggest one of them all, though. TikTok and TikTok and Instagram at the mini. Clara, good talk and good luck with it. And if you, if you get into any more Christmas markets, give us a shout and we'll certainly mention it. All right. No problem. And tell your wife I'll be down at the Ring of Skitty Community Centre on the 26th of November if she wants to come down and get one. Fair enough. <laughs> Cheers, Clara. Thank you. 0818969696. Always a woman full of ideas. Uh, Clara Haywood. The mini it's called and the Christmas market things she struggled to get into them uh, because look at that Ballymaloo you book in April most of them start thinking in August you see all these people who go it's you can't stop talking about Christmas and yes you can yes you can why do you think some places open their Christmas shop in August because you can and I'm noting here that the Cork and Kerry food market 
is back at the City Hall on Saturday 4th and Sunday 5th of November. Not quite a Christmas market, but a great food market. Showcase of the best artisan and local food of what Cork and Kerry is famous for and why we are on the map as a centre of excellence for great food, not just in Ireland, but in the world. And there are live demonstrations and they will be explaining the secret of how to get your children to eat their vegetables. So I am told. And there'll be people there like Kevin Ahern from Sage and Matthew Brownie from Skibbereen and loads more. Nell McCarthy is there from West Cork. Um, the lads from Max's restaurant are there. The Lifeboat Inn in Court McSherry will be there. Cathy Fitzgibbon will be there. You name it, they're there over the weekend and that'll be a great event at the City Hall, Cork and Kerry Food Market, 0818 96 96 96 So, what happened at that match yesterday? Um, Cork City versus Shamrock Rovers, and of course Shamrock Rovers crowned League of Ireland champions for what? Fourth year now in a row, and well done to them, and fair play to them, and congratulations, and they're probably the most successful club in the history of the league, I think, certainly one of the most successful. But it is a tradition, and no more than that, that a club will be given a guard of honour. Once they've won the league, once they can't be caught, that every club that they play after that will give them a a guard of honour out onto the pitch. It's a tradition, it's not a rule, it's not written down anywhere that you have to do it. But Cork City decided yesterday that they weren't going to do it. Now, Cork City are in a sticky bum time or squeaky bum time because they're doing their level best to escape the relegation playoff or the promotion relegation playoff. They're doing their level best to avoid that. And I don't know quite how many points they may need to get away from that. But it's, 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 a, it's a hairy time for Cork City and they're knuckling down to try to, to get away, to get themselves to safety Um, but Stephen Bradley was not at all he being the manager Stephen Bradley was not at all happy um, with the decision not to give Shamrock Rovers a guard of honour I thought it was really really poor from Cork I thought it was uh, a total lack of respect Um, yeah I thought it was really really poor from them fine Richie Holland is the interim manager at uh, Cork City what's his response? It's not a, a lack of respect for me at all. Look, I've, I've met Stephen for the game. I've gave him a, a few bottles of champagne and, and stuff, and just from Cork City and all the rest of it. But I, just, I wasn't doing that to our supporters. At the end of the day, it's about us all being together in the situation we are. Look, if we were safe and higher up the division, and if there wasn't a game to come, then look, that that would be a different story, you know. So look, that that was the reason behind it. Look, and I, I hope you hope you understand. Yeah, Cork City are still struggling for their survival. And you think, I, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to take Cork City's side here. Um, I think I am. Maybe I'll get the guidance on whether I should or not. From the great Trevor Welsh of the score. Trevor, City are not safe yet by any manner or means. So they've better things to be doing with their time than wondering about, than, than worrying about guards of honour. I would have thought. Your thoughts. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. And uh, good to hear your voice back on the radio again. Cheers. Um, yeah, um, you're right. You're right. I was listening to you there earlier. Um, I mean, City have a huge match coming up uh, on Friday, November 10th. They'll play the winners of Cove, Ramblers and Waterford in their playoff final. So the, the winners of that, Cove and Waterford, play next Saturday at the cross. And the winners of that will, will play City to either go up or stay down. Uh, so it's a huge match. Yeah, I mean, I did ask Richie 
uh, before the game after the uh, the defeat to Derry City last Friday, would they be giving Rovers a guard of honour? He said, we'll have to see about that. I think he was just judging the crowd reaction because, as you know, uh, PJ, there's huge rivalry between City and Rovers and yeah. there have been previous as well. And I think that, you know, was on the mind of Stephen Bradley as well mm. when he came out and said it was kind of disrespectful of Cork City. But as you ma- mentioned rightly as well, that it is only a tradition. I mean, the newly crowned champions are usually applauded onto the pitch, you know, when they, when they win the league. City decided against it, fair enough to avoid a backlash from the fans. Richie said to me that, off the record, that, you know, um, he can't be hypocritical, really, that the fans don't want it, and then the manager comes out and, and does it, you know. Yeah. As you know, City's fans are very important. The club have a good reach. Yeah, there's, there's no love lost. I mean, going back as, as long as you do, there's no love lost between these two clubs. It's, it's not nasty, but there is no love lost. No, there's no love lost there. I mean, there's the Rovers fans. I was at the game, PJ, obviously reporting the 96 FM, and the Rovers fans were singing, you know, from the very outset, like going down, going down, you know, and uh, really to get to get in the city's faces. Uh, you know, I wonder what Rovers do for City if it was the other way around. The City were have won the league up in tally, you know. I'm not sure they would have done it either. Uh, Rovers brought about 600 fans down last night. It was a bit hostile, uh, PJ, and there was extra guards and duty because of what happened previously as well, I would imagine. Yeah. You know? There's a thing, though. They're chanting, going down, going down. And then, on the other side of their mouths, bitching about not getting a guard of honour. Like, sorry, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge rivalry. And, I mean... It, I wasn't surprised they didn't get a guard of honour, to be honest, because I knew, you know, just judging by the fans on social media platforms and so on, they didn't want it. Um, you know, not for Rovers. It's it's probably the biggest rivalry for for City, um, Shamrock Rovers, you know, and there has been a lot down the years, uh, home mm. and away. And, um, you know, I think Richie, to be fair to him, like as he said there, he did make a presentation to Stephen Bradley before the game of the champagne, I thought it was a nice gesture and just yeah. get on with the game then and as you said, like they're bigger fish to fry city, like they're fighting for the lives to stay in that top division. Mm-hmm. Can they, Trev? Yeah, I think they will. I mean I mean obviously, you know, we're media partners to Cove Ramblers and Shane Keegan has done a brilliant job, PJ, with uh, Cove this year. Yeah. And uh, they're in the playoff with, with Waterford, as I mentioned, in the cross next year. We're Saturday. looking at a local derby then to see who yeah. goes Oh my God. Yeah, you're looking at a local derby which would be huge interest, really catch the imagination. You know, and, and Coles have beaten Cork City a few times this season. They beat Waterford, actually, in the last match down in Waterford. So Coles have great momentum going into it. And, um, you know, they're a side with a lot of confidence mm-hmm. at the moment because of that. And I think they could beat Waterford. And it could be City Cove. And then, as you mentioned, squeaky bum time then because that's the final then. It's just they play in a final match in a neutral venue. And whoever wins... Where's, will... where's that match likely to be, Trev? Yeah, they're talking about... I mean, Cove apparently agreed that they would they would play it at Thomas Cross, but apparently uh, you have to have an neutral venue, so that that be um, a contrast of interest. But the, you know, it's going to be at a neutral venue, so I would imagine they're talking about Richmond Park, which is the home of Shelburne or Talla, the home of Shamrock. I mean, the two of them to Dublin. Yeah, the home of Shamrock Rovers. Oh, ironically enough. Sake. Yeah. Will they put that it, match it, on telly? I hope they will. Yeah, there was. Yeah, that will be on television. Actually, Virgin Media are doing it. PJ, they announced it. It's um, going to be the first time ever a playoff match will be televised live. Oh, very so good. That's going to be good as well. Will, that's will going you to be, be on, on duty? Uh, I hope to be. Yeah, uh, it's Friday, November ten. So I'll get my kind of uh, games within the next few days, and hopefully that'll be one of them. Um, you know, obviously, oh, Cork's in Cork. To, so be, well. to be very, there's a thing, Trevor. I mean, I know. Look how much you're living the dream every time you sit into a commentary box. But they're doing a match between two clubs you've grown up with, man and boy. 
Yeah, definitely. So I hope to get I hope to get the nod on that one. I hope they're listening this morning. <laughs> I want to get the nod because that would that, that would mean mm. a lot to me. It, that one. Do you know it's it's a tough one, isn't it? You know, as a, as a fan of Cork of, of Cork Sport, like it would be one of them. One of them has to drop. Yeah, one of them has to drop into the the first division. I mean, City only got out of it last year, as you know, a pinch, mm. and to go back down, especially when Dermot Ushers investing money into the club and yeah. uh, you know you just wonder you know in the first division obviously Dermot Archer's dream was Europe and um, you know that that's a long way off but you know you, you it, it's an even a longer way off being in the first division you've got to be in the top division you know yeah well it's an interesting couple of weeks ahead and I, I think I was I was taken tight to take City said look, look lads we've bigger fish to fry and besides if you're going to start shouting you're going down you're going down and you want a card of honour in the next breath? We are that. No, get back in your bus. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Appreciate the fact of it. <laughs> See you, Trev. Thanks, yeah. mate. Trevor Welsh, uh, host of The Score on Corks 96 and, of course, uh, host of Premier League Live as well every weekend. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Question 10. Who is the CEO of The Boring Company? Oh, I don't know. Have uh, a guess. Elon Musk, he's to be everything. Good round. Solid. How are you feeling after Solid. that, Nile? Uh, that boring company there, I don't think I got that one. I've never even heard of the boring company. One of the things they do is they make a flamethrower. And I think if you saw the Joe Rogan podcast, you would have seen Elon Musk with a flamethrower. You just won 2,000 euros! Boom! Oh, What a guess indeed. He's in everything, like 2,000 euro going to Middleton. Well done, you. Thanks very much. The two grand minute. I'm getting money. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96 FM. So I'm with Cork City here, I have to say, on this one. First of all, it's just a tradition. There's no great entitlement to the Guard of Honour. Secondly, City have a whole lot of work to do and a lot of bigger fish to fry over the next couple of weeks, fighting for their very survival. Plus the fact that there's no love lost between these two sides anyway. And if if your fans are going to be singing, you're going down, you're going down, then sorry. You can take your guard of honour and put it where the sun don't shine. Stephen, good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Good. You agree uh, with me? I hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like for starters, Shamrock Rovers, as you said, big rivalry. But they're from Dublin, like we're from Cork. Mm-hmm. What, do they, what, what do they want us to do? Roll over and give them the three pints that we're on offer as well for the fun of it? <laughs> yeah. No. The, the other thing is actually that. You know, God, we won the first division there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and their, their first game after they won, after they were confirmed champions, was in Marketfield against Limerick or Treaty United, as they call themselves or whatever. And they got no guard of honour either. Yeah. So what's the what's the big deal? Like, I mean, as you mm. said, well, whether they end up doing this entirely for us or not? Maybe, well, maybe had- if City was, if their future was secure, if if the next couple of weeks didn't matter so much. Um, then you might have thought differently of it, or would that well, well, I don't know. I, I, I think, like in 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 general, I think Cork City fans uh, wouldn't have been 
uh, amenable to a guard of honour for rovers. Anyway, no, they probably wouldn't be for bows either or, or, or pats. But I, I don't know. Like, as I said, we have bigger fish to fry at the moment anyway than that. Do you think they can fish fry that fish? I mean, can you imagine that a local a local derby for the Slan Lat Cup like? Um, yeah, well, to be kind of localish derby anyway, even with Waterford. But True. Uh, I, I, I'd, um, I, I, even though I'm a big city fan, I wouldn't be going into a game against Cove with as much confidence as I'd be going into a game against Waterford. Would you not? <laughs> Cove, have, Cove have had a good season, to be fair to them. Like, yeah, as I said earlier, like Shane Keegan has done some massive job. Like, just don't forget, like Cove last season finished rock bottom mm-hmm. uh, of the first division when when we won it. That's some transformation on turnaround yeah. down there, you know. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. And they've done they've done great work down there. Do you remember the time they used to call it the Elephant's Graveyard, where fellas all went there to finish out their careers? Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, indeed, yes, yes, yes. But, uh, uh, I always remember the, my, my first time going to a commentary box in, in St. Coleman's Park. Jesus, the coldest place on Christ's earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been a bit cold down there, right? Stephen, we'll see where it goes over the next couple of weeks. We'll see where it goes over the next couple of weeks. But certainly they were right not to do the Guard of Honour, you think? I think 100%. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Good. Thanks for the call. 0818969696. I think I'm with Stephen on that one. And uh, Trevor was kind of saying, it's important. There is no, there is no right to it. And you might have done it for some pats either. No, they probably would have done <laughs> That's just the thing. Would you do it for another club and not do it for Rovers? That'd be kind of, that'd be kind of, I don't know what that'd be kind of. I really don't know what that'd be kind of... <laughs> anyway. Oh, look. Shall we do a tune? Did, now, look. Didn't Alan say it at half nine? The afternoon is going to turn very nasty and it's starting to turn as we speak. 0818 96 96 96. It is Halloween. Um, as many people know, I'm not a huge fan, but I understand how popular it is. They'll be trick-or-treating this evening and... It is what it is, and there'd be ghosts and ghouls and goblins, and for some strange reason, for some strange reason that I do not know, Barbie is a Halloween costume this year, and from some even stranger reason that I still do not know, Superman is now a Halloween costume. I thought it was all about ghosts and goblins and things that went bump in the night and stuff like that, but now it's become a kind of a superheroes thing. I, as I said, I do not know why, but uh, but enjoy it. As you will. Um, there's a massive event happening in the States. Um, has been happening. It's called Phantasmacon. It sounds it, doesn't it? It sounds great. Phantasmacon. Find out more about that. In just a couple of minutes. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. So the Warrens Supernatural Phantasmacon at the Mohegan Sun Earth Convention Centre in Uncasville, Connecticut. There's a mouthful. And Tina Barco from Paranormal Researchers Ireland is there. You're in Connecticut at the moment. Morning. Morning. How are you? Good. And it's silly o'clock, so thank you for getting up early for us over there. This 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 is like Disneyland for Halloween fans. 
It is, definitely. Yeah, it's amazing. This is my uh, Christmas. Right. You see, you're talking to someone here now, Tina, who is a, a real sceptic when it comes to this stuff. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in goblins and things that go bump in the night. So that's why Halloween kind of runs over me like a cold shower. But people love it. Yeah, people love it. And to be honest with you, um, I'd be quite sceptic. So I'm not a psychic and I'm not a medium. Um, I researched the paranormal. And a few years ago, I would have pulled out from doing this, except I had my own little experience. And that's what kept me doing it. But I'd be quite sceptic. What was your own experience? Down in uh, Loftus Hall in County Wexford, um, just footsteps that came up. We were on the back staircase of Loftus Hall and uh, we had decided, myself and my friend had decided to scare the other team members that were there. So we hid in a dark room and we heard three footsteps coming down the stairs, then another three and then another three. And we went to jump out to scare the teammates and it ended up there was nobody in the corridor. So I radioed the teammates to see where they are in case they're uh, making a joke on me and uh, they were out the other side of the building so that got me thinking and it sort of gave me the passion to continue doing what I was doing I was nearly finished with it at that stage right. so uh, I, you know I've never seen anything I've heard things on the EVPs you know the recordings that we have got yeah. in different locations but I've never seen anything with my eyes but I'd be very sceptic and very sort of grounded that yeah. a lot of the stuff that's put out can be lens flares and pareidolia and so you yeah. know I don't get pulled in with all that either yeah. there's a, there's a log- for, for most things there's a logical explanation. So for 99% of things, there's a logical explanation. It's just that 1% that I've come across that I can't explain. That's what, what's kept me that's what uh, doing what I'm interested. doing in all the locations. That's what keeps you interested, yeah? So do, 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 yeah, that's do you it. believe, Tina, that there is another side then? I believe there's something out there. Yeah, I do. I believe there's something out there, but I still don't know what it is. Yeah. Which is probably a good that keeps that keeps you interested and keeps you keeps the searching. Yeah. So so tell me about this phantasmacon. Who's there? What's there? Oh my god. Well I travelled to America last Thursday. There was three of us. There's Jake Barco, myself and Chris Rush. So the three of us are on Irish Paranormal Researchers Ireland and Chris Rush is a a horror author. So he's an Irish horror author, a best-selling horror author. So the three of us went um, out there. Chris had a stall. He was a vendor at the um, event and the event was absolutely huge. So it's ran by the Warren's son-in-law, Tony Spira, and uh, the Warren's daughter. And um, the Annabelle doll was there. You familiar with the Annabelle doll? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the real Annabelle was there. So they sort of moved their occult muse- uh, museum to the place in Connecticut where this event was being held and uh, the satanic idol, the Annabelle doll. So there was loads of teams. There was um, psychics, mediums. There was horror uh, fanatics. There was, uh, it was ama- It's the best event I was ever at in my life and it was huge. So I'd say between six and 8,000 people uh, were there on the Saturday, but it was running nicely. The, the event was huge. So there was loads of space. It wasn't right. too crowded. Um, and they love the Irish there, I'll tell you. <laughs> and, and do they do sort of seances or sit around a Ouija board or that sort of thing? 
<laughs> no, they sell them there. <laughs> they sell the Ouija boards. <laughs> no, no, there was no, there was nothing done. I'll tell you, just a load of people were standing around the Annabelle doll. They say you're not meant to look into her eyes. So the ones that were really scared of their life, they were avoiding eye contact with her. And, you know, I, I stared into her eyes, nothing happened to me. You know, I, I'd be very, I'd be very logical like that. I, you know, I. Yeah. Although I think the doll is amazing and she's the stories creepy, are amazing, though, I'm not. Cre- she's creepy as Anton. Yeah, I mean, I think she's quite cute. To be honest, Richard, really? <laughs> Anton. Yeah, I bought a copy of her there, so uh, I have the copy here. I'm trying to get it through customs on Thursday. <laughs> 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 a huge doll. I forgot we were travelling home. And Chris said to me, How are you gonna get her home? So we'll deal with that when we get when we get to the airport. Put her, in, put her into a box and ship her home and someone will open her up and go, What's that? Yeah, that? <laughs> yeah I know. So I know. Else, yeah, um, there was a lot of stuff there from the sci fi channel and the the ghost hunters producer was there, was he? Mm. Which one was he? Joyce Jason Haas? Oh yes, I sure yeah, I put up pictures with him and all. Yeah, he's he was lovely all the like Jason was lovely and he was with Steve Gonzalez or I forget a second name. And uh, so the two of them were there. They were lovely. They were doing the meet and greet for their fans and they spoke to us. But you know who was more important that was there? You know, have you seen the Netflix documentary The Devil Made Me Do It? It's or the film my, The Devil it's Made my, Me it's Do It. It's in my watch list. I haven't seen it yet, but it, it's come up as a recommendation for me, yeah. Yeah, well, Arnie was there and he sat for around 15 minutes with PRI and he had a chat with us. He's a lovely, lovely, lovely gentleman. So he was, um, he murdered a guy through possession. That's what the court case was. It was the first ever case that was tried uh, with possession in, you know, uh, his defense. And he ended up spending very little time in prison, like a, a huge case. So, there was a younger guy that was a little boy that was possessed and to save this guy he, the, the demon went into him and he ended up murdering somebody and but he sat and chatted with us um and he's a lovely guy so he was there as well there's a thing now possession and demons jumping from 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 one person to another i'm thinking of, of yeah. if, if i if i if there was something i could watch tonight and i would have you seen the new exorcist everyone's saying it's scary as yes hell. I didn't find it scary. We went in, myself and Chris um, and Jake went in to see The Exorcist. And um, we, I mean, what we said was it was grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was grand. I mean, the first Exorcist, the original, oh. I was a lot younger and that scared the bejesus out of me. But the new one, absolutely not. Yeah, no, because so. the first one, like when you look at it now, uh, it's it's almost 50 years old. I know, I know. And actually, my two younger kids wanted to see the original oh, and I let them and they got bored. Yeah, but they, they got, got bored. bored of the original? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're 12 and 13 years old. Good Lord. <laughs> I think I might. Yeah, what's they the got s- scared. Gina, what's they? The, they weren't scared. This fantastic event, and I notice as well, it certainly wouldn't happen in Ireland, only 35 bucks to get in. Yeah, so Chris here beside me, it was $35 to get in, Chris, and then what on top of that? Yeah, so it was 70 to get into the convention and it was 35 on top of that if you wanted to get into the museum. I see. So it was doable. Yeah, uh, we didn't have to pay because um, we were vendors there. Oh, yeah, professionals. Uh, So we got in, yeah, but yeah, but it was totally doable. I mean, 
It was cheap. Yeah, it was cheap. So come here, on a local, we don't have Connecticut anywhere here, but down the road we have Spike <laughs> Island. And I'm reading a piece in, yeah. uh, in the papers recently about Sarah Jane who went down and spent a night down on Spike. Is, is tonight a night you'd go to Spike yourself, Tina, if you had the chance? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween, a lot of the time um, when we're doing events, let's say with the public or even private events, we always um, we always sort of stop the eve of Halloween. But the only reason is, is because there's a lot of baggers and fireworks and we can't really put our equipment out there. But somewhere like Spike Island, definitely to spend a night there on Halloween. Um, we done Spike Island for around a year, uh, very regularly. And we caught, and it's on our Facebook page, Paranormal Researchers Ireland Facebook page we caught a really we put it up again today I'd say we put that image up and a member of the public that were with us caught a really interesting picture and it was down in the tunnels in Spike so we were down in the tunnels and there's a room locked off and there's another room in front of it a little window at the back and she just snapped a picture with the it was black dark snapped a picture with the flash on and when she looked at it afterwards um, when she had walked by the cells she's seeing it was the it was like a head and shoulders now I'd be quite sceptic so we tried to recreate the photograph um, I went into the room that was locked off and they let me into the room that was locked off and we looked in this hole where the head and shoulders were and that was locked off to the public because it wasn't safe there was nobody in there and things like that I just can't the, the things I can't debunk I always put up just as a matter of interest these are really interesting and I don't know what that figure was it's really visible if you look at really the history visible. of Spike and how far back Spike actually it goes. goes. Yeah. Like it goes back. Yeah, it was a monastery before it monastery, was. Even, the biggest yeah. prison in Europe at one point. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and, and people who go down there often feel, and I've been down there a few times myself now since they've the wonderful work they've done with it and, and the fantastic facility Mason. it is. But you go in, there are corners of it. Particularly when you go off exploring mm. on your own, as I did there during the Literary Festival last year. You just go off wandering yeah. on your own. And even mm. sort of where you're allowed to go, like where it's safe to go, there are corners and then you go, am I being watched here? Yeah, so you even felt that. I felt it strange. And you see, here's the thing, I'd be saying, yeah. this is nonsense. It's an old brick building for flip's sake. It's cold in here because there are mm. thick walls. I felt there's something mm. going on here. Some, there is something about Spike. It has so much going on. People do yeah. feel yeah. that there's something down there. Well, you have to remember, I mean, they say that old buildings hold energy. And when you look back at the torture and the, the sadness that went on on Spike, um, if it held energy, Spike would be a place that there'd be a lot of negative energy. And... Uh, in the punishment, so down in the tunnels was used for punishment up until they built the punishment block in the late 1800s. They a purpose built punishment block to punish. You know what I mean? It's it's um, if you're going to feel something, you'll feel it on Spike Island. You I sure think. Sure will. <laughs> Tina, you're on a safe journey back. I know you're heading back from from Connecticut fairly soon. Uh, thank you. That's Tina Barco from Paranormal Researchers Ireland. You'll find them. On Facebook, they'll put up that picture. It's a picture, as she said, that they can't explain it. They cannot explain this head and shoulders in the picture in Spike. And as Tina said, she would be a cynic, so would I, or a skeptic, so would I. Anything she can't explain, she can have, okay, can't explain it. I would put a yet at the end of that, but there's that photograph from Spike that they've never been able to explain 
how the hell did that head and shoulders get in there? She's just back from her Christmas. I love the name of this. I love the name of this. The Warrens Supernatural Phantasmicon at the Mohegan Sun Earth Convention Centre in Uncasville, Connecticut. There's a name. And Spike Island, if you're going anywhere, and if there's a good movie you're going to watch tonight, I, I would, if you haven't ever seen I think it's on Netflix. I think the original Exorcist is on Netflix, or it's on one of them anyway. It's on one of the streams. Look it up. Um, it's, it's a classic movie. It's a classic movie, and the music alone from The Exorcist would frighten the bejimines out here. I think that's it. And a few people, thank you for your lovely messages again during the morning, saying it was nice to have me back. Thanks to Bernie and to Michael Moriarty and to Valerie. I'll read those messages tomorrow. To Ken Middleton, thank you very much. Uh, to Mick, who has lovely words to say about uh, Chris Luke, and indeed, yes, still looking after people. Um, and with regard to Cork Airport, I'll, 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 re- I'll get to these tomorrow, but um, Sean says Barry is correct. The security people in Cork Airport are the best. I've travelled quite a lot. and They make you feel so relaxed, kind, friendly, and good at their job. Uh, keep up the great job that they're doing. And uh, I used to lived in a flat. Oh, Anthony says, I lived in a flat in Skull where a sailor had died. And I woke up during the night and, and I heard noises at the door. And it sounded very strange. It's for Anthony. Thank you. And again, thank you, Fanula. As Chris Luke said earlier on, please, please, please be careful around fireworks tonight. In fact, better still, do not use fireworks tonight. As Chris said, little bombs, that's what they are. Little bombs. Let us not be doing anything silly like using fireworks tonight. Be very careful around them if you are with someone who is using them. And that's just about the size of it. Oh, Lorraine and Ross in the morning, back tomorrow from 6, of course, 4,000 euro up for grabs, two rounds of the two grand minute. The lip reading game is back. That's very funny. And so is skits and giggles. But that's it from today. A program edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. Your podcast will be up ASAP. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after 9. Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie FM. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.